0: You,
1: baby. Yo, man. Bagfield, we back. And so, man, this is going to be a goodie, man. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we
2: got a lot of history on the table right now. Uh, we got a lot of history on the table. We got a man who doesn't really do these type of things, man. Yeah, so, I actually don't, not much. I'm not a camera guy.
0: And
3: I haven't been blessed to know him. This is one of the few people that I haven't known. We got connected through somebody on Facebook
0: because mm-hmm. they
3: saw we did Corey Rooney.
0: Got and, they, okay. and,
3: and they saw that the relationship that I had with Corey and the relationship that you started with Corey, and they was like, yo, if y'all did this with Corey,
2: y'all got to talk to Kurt Woodley. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, do, you, do you know Kai? What's Kai? Kai works for 50. He's an engineer. He's from South Jamaica. I know Kai me. from a kind long of time slim ago. Guy.
3: Yeah, but I haven't seen him in years. Yeah, yet. he still
2: works for 50 Doesn't. off and on. But
3: I'm from, yeah, I I, I grew up with 50 Cent. You
2: know what's funny? The literary. They tell me that 50 used to work with Corey Rooney, but he, I mean, he was yeah. kind of, he was- He was trouble. bigger. He was bigger. Yeah, uh-huh. I said, Kurt, you remember him? I said, I remember him. So said, he looks different. He, he looks different uh, now. He studio. was he, yeah.
3: he, he, he was more fat. Yeah. And then once he left Corey, he toned up and it, it turns it to muscle. You know what okay. I'm saying? You know Shaw then? You got to know Shaw. Yeah, I know Shaw. That's yeah. my man. I actually managed producers Where you talking about Shaw Money? Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew Pretty Shaw that was with him a lot that, that passed away. Mm. I, I, I knew Rough Hands that was with 50. Rough Hands was on, man. Shout out to Sakin, Shout out to his brother, Derek. You mm. know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm from that side. I'm from 130. I'm from Rochdale. Okay. And they, and they from one three four right across the street, right across Abu was them. So we call them Roselle Village, and we call them the Back Blocks, and we was always together. One okay. three zero and one three four. I knew everybody that they grew up. That's yes, what's with. up.
2: Okay. We yes. get the nitty gritty of it now. Yeah. We know a little bit of the history. We can get into the nitty of it.
3: Yeah. So you you've done so much. I, it's, mm-hmm. There's too many questions that we're gonna ask. Just before we start, just tell them some of the things that you've done, and, okay. so that
2: they understand. So, I'll, I'll I'll give everybody like a kind of an elevator pitch of course. history of it. Yes. I like that. Um, I was a jock at first, played basketball. Was good. Played football. Was good, but not nowhere near to make professional, even go Division One. So when I went to college, I kind of recognized that. I went to Lehman College, where I met Andre Harrell, who was Dr. Jekyll from Dr. So Jekyll hot. Mr. Hyde. Uh-huh. But I didn't know it at the time he was always wearing suit jackets and stuff. Mm. And I was like, Dre, what do you do besides this? Like, go to school. said, so, I'm a rapper. I looked him up and down and said, you a rapper? So, this guy can't be no rapper, <laughs> he don't look like no rapper. So one time he played a record for me, it was called Genius of Love or Genius of Rap or something, Genius of Rap. The original was Genius of Love, it was Genius of Rap, right? So basically what happened was... uh. His road manager kinda got caught out there and things didn't work out. So he brought me as a road manager, and that's how I learned the game. And one day we were all out. And um we went to this this club, a real popular club called 70s 70, um 71 or something like that, was 71st Street on the west side of Manhattan. <clears throat> and we went to VIP and they gave us bottles and there was chicks in there and that, like, yo, yo want more drinks and but and I was like, yo, this is what this music business shit is about. I gotta be down with this. Yo, know, I was in it. I mean, the chicks was coming, sitting down. Back then, I used to wear these tight ass dresses. So it was like, oh, and heels. I was like, oh shit, I'm a nerd. Like, I'm not a hip hop cat. I'm an athletic nerd. Like, I don't know shit about the street. I don't know nothing about music. But as soon as I got in that VIP, I was in. So a little bit down the road, Andre decided, that he wanted to be more on the executive side than the artist side, and be realistic, the next album just didn't work. So you know he hung up his rapping cleats and decided to be behind the scenes. He met with Russell. Russell was just coming up, and he says, "Kurt, I'm gonna be the vice president of Jeff Jam Rush." And I was like, "Word for real? Can I get a gig?" He said, "Let me talk to Russell see you know what I could do." And um, he called me about two days later and said, "Y'all gonna make you the messenger." I ain't giving a shit. I could have been sweeping floors, mopping shit. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get down. And we was on twenty six right off of Broadway. And I'm running to Rush. I'm running to Def Jam. I'm going because they were separate offices at one time. And then they had, um, I think it was Jive I had to run to, and this label and that label. And you know what the funny thing back then was? The rappers were really down to earth. Because they wasn't making too much, you know, that much more money gotcha. than if you was working at a regular job. Mm-hmm. They was getting like two thousand a show, three, like five was a big check. So you had Houdini, Run DMC, um, LL Cool J. And by the way, he used to actually run around with that box. He Used to get on the train with this big ass box on his shoulder, right, and come to the office. That wasn't no bullshit. He was really rolling with the box. You know what I'm saying? That was his thing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, the Beastie Boys was just kind of coming through at the time. And um, Curtis Blow was there, he was kind of like the star. But it was just amazing, because everybody was cool with everybody. It wasn't like, oh, I'm this and you know that. It was just cool. And as time went on, the whole rap game started to get bigger. And I know if you get one time we did um, the Christmas show. And it was at Madison Square Garden, it was the first hip hop show that was going to be at the garden. And Curtis didn't want to perform. He wanted more money. i never get this. I was like, I'm an intern. They ain't you know, an intern measure, They're not paying no mind to me. So I'm like, yo, give him the money. Give him the money. Oh, shit. You know, I ain't no street cat. You know, I'm just a regular dude. Give him the money. Oh, shit. Curtis ain't gonna perform. Russell in New York's like, man, fuck that. We're gonna go get a new edition. We'll get those kids from Staten Island. We'll get this. We'll get that. I was like, oh, shit. And I learned the lesson. Sometimes when people put you up against the wall, you got to stand your ground. And then Curtis finally came through at the last minute when he realized, yo, they're going to get somebody else.
3: That's where Crush Groove came from. Yep. That whole scene in Crush Groove. Yep. So mm. I was there when
2: we first went to the garden. I remember there chicks and fun. It was like, oh shit, we're in Madison Square Garden. I'm used to go and see you know, the Knicks or the circus. When I was a little kid, you go see the circus in the garden. I'm like, oh shit, I'm on stage, and I looked up and I'm like, oh, it's like 30,000 people in front of you to come see hip-hop. So moving on, Dre Andre Harrell decided to start his own company. He says, Kurt, I'm starting my own company, I'm going to bring you aboard. So first he tried me at publicity. I was horrible. He tried me at some marketing (laughs) shit. I was horrible. (laughs) Why why, were you horrible What
0: did you have to do?
2: Well, first of all, publicity, you have to be a certain person to do publicity. A talker, a convincer. A talker, a convincer. In, they got to be in, in, in your you gotta, face. You got to take a lot of punishment because mm-hmm. the artists will step on you because you're the first people that they see. Yep. When you go to a record company, back in those days, it was on publicity. I'm not trying to be on some chauvinistic <laughs> shit, but it was mostly women. Yeah. So Andre was like, yo, you do it. And I was like, yo, I can't do this shit. Then I tried to do road manager. I was Heavy's road manager for a year and a half. They loved me, but I was chasing the chicks. Yo, where's Kurt at? The money's that way. (laughs) This nigga's walking running that way. Like, what the, what's going on? So so you said, screw Heavy D, I gotta get the girl. So so Heavy's like, yo, we love Kurt. We love Kurt to death, bro, but we gotta get this nigga up off the road. Forget about the money. This motherfucker might disappear and get hijacked somewhere or some shit. Like, we in Alabama, this nigga's still in Tennessee. <laughs> so they were like, so that was just. So Dre said, Kirk, I'm gonna give you a shot, cause you're my man. And I'll never forget that. I'm gonna give you a shot. We got a bunch of tapes in here. Nobody don't wanna listen to this shit. And it was a like two or three boxes full of tape. I need you to listen to every single one of those tapes and i was like cool so i put the shit in the corner everybody doing work i'm sitting there you know bouncing to the music and shit and about five hours later you said, you listen to every one i said yeah is anything good i said yeah something good and i never get this one of them was epmd wow and the other one was renee and angela wow. so i played it for them he was like, yo, Kurt, you know, you, you're pretty cool at this. You, you're good at this A&R shit. I was just digging through boxes, listening to shit. I didn't know if I was good or not. So he said, I'm going to make you the A&R. Wow. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> and I was like, um, this artist, was, it's I'm, an I'm, artist, artist repertoire. Re, artist rep- I said, what the fuck, this that? Where, <laughs> what, what the fuck <laughs> does that mean? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so basically, he made me A&R. So I'm sitting there, I got a little desk and shit. You know, I got my little phone and shit. So I'm, oh, so I'm an executive. So somebody says, this kid named Father that's coming to see you. I said, Father who? Father what? He said, Father MC. He's from Queens. So I said, okay, come down. Now, Father's going to deny this shit. But when he first came, I was like, I don't know. Father, you got to get better. Come back. Come back. Father, you got to get better. Come back. He just wasn't there. I said, Father, bro, like you—you're you, almost there, but he kept coming back, kept coming back, didn't get discouraged.
0: What was he missing, though? Like, what do you think he was missing?
2: I thought his lyrical content and punch words didn't hit. I, I thought that, you know, wasn't completely there. Now, Father might get a little mad at me, but I'm gonna say it anyway. When he, when we actually did decide to release his record, which everybody does, he had ghost to help him out. So. You know that's I think got them over the top, but writers do that. Rappers like Jay Z has ghost writers. Dr. Dre has ghost Riders. Matter of fact, the kids from Philly, I knew all of them, and they, I think it was called Major Figures. They wrote for everybody. Oh my you know what I'm God, saying? yo, so oh my God. yo, Kurt, you about to fuck? Yo. Yo. That's Gillian. Kurt. All of them.
3: Oh my God, Kurt! I'm glad I ain't say this shit, Kurt. About to fuck. Well, again. we might have to but... X that out.
2: <laughs> Cause somebody, because I might, I might be spilling too much shit. No, no, no. But Cause people be
3: because de- people be denying things because I always tell people this, I be like, yo, when they when they do things, I say, do you collaborate? Is is, is my first thing to know.
0: No, 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 no. You, I swear to God. you'll you with like, the verb. Like, Let me tell you I, something. I, I, man.
3: And I am like, yo, if you're not writing with other people, I'm like, Let me tell you're you you not gonna get to where you're trying I've to go. I've never
2: met an artist. Mm. I don't think I've ever worked with an artist that didn't co-write. Maybe Jodeci, C. I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to, maybe Jodeci C wrote their own shit. But But they don't know all the people who you even work. Finish the story, because yeah, yeah, we rolling. gotta get to the work. I'm gonna keep yeah. going. So, yeah. <laughs> so so I'm gonna stick with Father right now. Uh-huh. So Father's trying, he's coming every day, he comes on time, he comes with his people, they're all cool, they don't cause no problems. So one day, we we moved to Brooklyn. No, we moved from Brooklyn to Manhattan, right? And one day, somebody says, Kurt, there's a guy named Corey Rooney and Mark Morales here to see you. I, he said, yeah. I said, why does that sound familiar? I said, oh, Mark from the Fat Boys, right? I said, where they at? They downstairs. They can't get up. You got to bring them up. Because they have new rules. You have to go get your guests and bring mm. them up. And I went downstairs. I went out there. And I saw this, this um, Porsche. It was a blue Porsche, but it looked like it got kind of you know, edged up a little bit. I was like, that must be their car. Mm-hmm. So they came out. They have almost tip Kurt, man. Nobody want to fuck with us, man. Nobody want to work with us, man. So I said, man, come on, come on, man. Come up to the office. They started playing me some stuff. I was like, yo, this is pretty good. So I said, this is a great opportunity for Father. He's from Queens. They're from Queens. So I said, look, I got this rapper named Father MC. He's up and coming. He's a little bit of work, but I think you guys can work together. So I sent Father out there. And I said, how is it going? It's going great. You know, it's funny, I only went out there one time. And I'm I'm explaining why. So they went out there, and started working. After that, Mary was out there. Then Mary started going out there. Then what happened with Mary was, nobody was paying attention to her. I mean, I'm gonna get to Mary J. Blige in a minute, but all that stuff, people, oh, I knew she was gonna be a superstar from the beginning. I said, nigga, no, you didn't. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Father, he started going out there, And shit started working. So they put these records together, and it was the first time people had a chance to see Jodice and Mary J. Blige. Mm. I forget forget Jody's records. Mary had a record called I'll Do For You. And everybody was like, yo, them acts is dope. Now, Father got his shit together. He was rapping better. He had a gold record and a gold single. So Father came through. So that's kind of the Father's story. He's the first artist that I kind of signed. On Uptown. On Uptown. Uptown, That I signed. Okay. Before that, we had Heav was a star. Um, then Shaw came. He was actually a roadie for Heavy. Albie Shaw came, he won this thing called, I think it was the Sony. Yeah, that Sony. The game. Sony something, Sony innovation. We have voice and yeah. all of that thing. And, um, Quincy Jones kind of orchestrated the whole thing and he was real cool with Dre. You know,
0: what did Andre, what did Andre think after you, you did that with Father?
2: He was like, yo, this is good. You know, I, I, he, he, he thought I had a niche for A and R, because we would ride around. It was this guy named Gary Harris. God bless his soul. He was like a music like impresario. He knew music, whether it was pop, rock, R and B, whatever it was, he knew. And we would get in the car, but he had this real like antagonistic like vibe, and like, you just you just start getting arguments with him in two seconds flat. So we would sit in the car. Arguing, debating about who's this and who's that. And, that. and he said, yo, I got to give it to this nigga. He kind of know music. He knows this. He talking about you. Yeah, he was talking about me. So Dre was like, "Curry, how you know all this? I said, yo, when I was a kid, my mother didn't let us go outside. I grew up, before I moved uptown the Bronx, I lived on 153rd Street and 3rd Avenue. Back in the 60s and 70s, they was having race wars, all type of shit. So my mother ain't let me go out. So I just listened to the radio all day. But let me ask you a real question: mm-hmm. What was it
3: about you that, although you didn't, you wasn't doing what you were supposed to do in the in the positions that they had given you, that they kept you around? Because I was
2: Andre's man. Like one thing I'm gonna tell you about Dre: Dre always gave you a shot. I'm gonna tell you something. People are gonna get upset. They you know they can get upset when Puff first came in the door. A lot of people didn't like, like like. What is this kid like? He dances. He wears these sh- polka dot shirts. He got a Gumby haircut. He didn't fit hip hop. He looked more like a dancer. So when he first came in, people didn't know. But Puff, you know, came in and we gave him a shot. When Puff first came in, Heavy called me and said, "Yo, Kurt, I got this kid named Puffy." I said, like, "What kind of name is that?" So. I said, okay, go ahead, Hev, tell me a little about, well, you know, he really wants to get on, something telling me, Dre was too busy to talk to him, he would naturally call Dre first, but he called me and said, yo, Hev, any friend of yours is a friend of mine, come on in. And that was the whole uptown thing, like we didn't turn on each other, like, oh, you fucked up, you out, oh, you a sucker, you don't know what the fuck, we didn't do that in the very beginning. Everybody stood with everybody, because nobody's perfect, let me tell you something, every artist, Every exec that was at Uptown had to learn. Even Dre. Dre. It took Dre a long time. Not a long time, but it took Dre a decent amount of time to learn, the, to run a label and how it worked. As matter of fact, there was one time when Dre brought us downstairs in the basement, this was in Brooklyn, and um, he was like, yo guys, there's no more money. All the money's gone. We had sign- he had a, he had a, um, a production deal. And it was a compilation album. We had five artists, right? It was Heavy, Brothers Black, they were from Queens. Finesse and Quest, they were from Queens, Left Rack. Mm-hmm. Um, Chill. And, and Molly Ma had like a record on there. He kind of produced some of the records. The only one that worked was Heav, But we put records out on, on Brothers Black. Finesse and Quest, we spent a lot of money. Finesse and Quest. I know quest. about Finesse and Quest. Um, and when I think it was Woody Rock, we did a single. But then he had an office. He was paying people. We had an office space. So after a while, that money accumulates. So if your income is five, but your expenses are ten, you're going to run out of money. But it's all designed that way. The record industry designed that way from Jump Street. Whereas you'll spend a million. They'll give you a $2 million deal. Now being from the hood, yo, know, $2 million is a lot of fucking money. You know, never ran a company, your father didn't run a company, mm. $2 million is a lot of money. But then when you start running up those expenses, it's like, okay, you had a $2 million budget, you had this month for you have to make your records, but you only made that much. But we ain't gonna, it's cool, we are gonna keep doing it, <laughs> but you know what, yeah. to keep everything going. We need you to do three more years of this. So what happens is the record, the record label, MCA, um, 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 Warner Brothers, uh, RCA, which is Bertlesman at that time, they're getting the majority of the money. So let's say if a record does a million units, they're getting five to six dollars a unit. You gotta pay back the expenses to make the record, pay back the expenses for the video. You're probably getting maybe 16 points, you got to get an artist some points, they're getting eight to nine points, and when the records sell, they're pissed off because they ain't make no money. So it's all a little bit of a scheme. The worst scheme going on, I'll get back on track with, with the Uptown stuff, is the streaming shit is ridiculous. It's like sticking people up without a pistol. Because they're making three times the amount of money that they made when records were selling. There's a friend of mine, and I'll mention his name because he told me, you know, it's cool. Bob Celestin is a really high-level attorney. Bob's going to be on the show. That's my man. Bob is a high-level attorney. He and I are close friends. He said that the record labels are making double to trice, three times the money they were making in the heyday. You know what I'm saying?
1: And they're pretending
3: like they're not. But you you know that that's capped because of what the record exec told me and you to my face that one single keeps the lights on. And I was on this show, Kurt. I was on another show last year, and I told everybody, I said, when streaming is out, when you sign to a major, they get 79% of the streaming. Mm. The, the, the percentage that you see is 21%. So when they're saying you got- say No, no, but that's before expenses. That's what it's a, that's what it's supposed to be. So, like what I also said on this show, I said. You never know what the record label's doing. You only know what the fuck they tell you. You never know what's really ha- I mean, happening. I mean, the,
1: the the realest question is, how do you how do you get a billion streams and you don't get a million dollars? Because <laughs> a million is closer to one dollar than it is to the a billion. billion. I
3: know. All right, that. Let me tell you, the that's, problem is,
2: yeah, it depends on what type of deal you cut. If yeah. you cut a really bad deal yeah. just to get in the door, mm-hmm. that's why. Okay, some people like Cardi B. And this was his kid, Ace Boogie with the hoodie. They had music already out that was big. So they cut their deals and they were able to get better deals. So mm-hmm. they make some money off the of publisher. Because your worth and something, yeah, your value. But some of the people that couldn't cut better deals, or the worst part about it is, I'm not going to mention any names, but you have artists that might have signed 10, 15, 20 years ago. They never make money, but they'll say, you know what? It's okay. It's no problem. Here's $2 million. Give us four more albums, and guess what? Once, twice. So they'll give you over like a 10-year period, like five or six million, but you're ahead of these albums, you already got a fan base, and they're gonna make the majority of the money. And then when you finally get to the point where they're not, you're not selling anymore, you're We're out. Done. you know, the, I'm gonna tell you the key, and we'll get back on point with the Uptown stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's say you put a, a single out. Single does well. You put out an EP, EP does well, streaming, right? You don't make any money, but you're getting a fan base. About a year ago, people starting to do NFT. Mm-hmm. Why can't you take that philosophy of an NFT, but instead of having it connected to Bitcoin, have it connected to dollars? So let's say you take Cardi B. Cardi B puts out a couple of singles. She puts out a album. And it's all stream. But one day she wakes up and says, hey, my real fans, I'm getting jerked. Support me. Help me. I'm going to give you more music. I'm going to give you more in my package. You're going to have pictures and videos that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I'm only doing it for- Say what? Ryan Leslie. Yeah. 500,000. You may say, okay, after a million units, that's it. But if you sell it for $20, you made 20 million. But they sign these deals where they don't do it, or they, they make so much money touring and merch. For example, Cardi B gets millions from product endorsements, sponsorship. She makes tons of money doing shows, so you forget about that money. Mm-hmm. But that could be 20 million, but getting back on track. So, Corey Rooney, Mark Morales, Father MC, Puffy, um, who else, it was Father MC, somewhat Joe C. Corey Rooney, Mark Morales, and who else? And Mary J. Blives, that was a whole setting crazy. that went out the Queens, right? That's crazy. And they were working on the record. Puffy, Corey, Mary, yep. Mark, Father MC. It was all going out the Queens. And the funny Ooh. shit was, because Puffy was my intern, and I was so busy running around doing that out crazy shit I was doing. I was like, yo, Puff. I only went out there one time. I was like, yo, Puff. <laughs> yo, Puff. Go do your thing, Nick. Yeah, yeah, good job, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he was out there moving shit, He was running. working his ass off, man. Yeah, up, right? he was doing what work- he had to do. And he came out with a really good album with um, Father and Senior and Gold. Let me tell you something. When Mary first came out, came up and signed, she was kind of sitting there for a year. Some of it was our fault, and some of it was the label's fault. But it wasn't like automatic Hall of Fame, Mary J. Blige. Now, I'm not taking anything away from her. It was actually the management company, the label, that was dragging their feet because they didn't know what to, well, actually, we didn't know what to do with Mary. They didn't think she had the look, right? Was that it wasn't the problem? The look, okay, the problem was the music industry was making a transition from R&B where chicks was wearing dresses, like sequence dresses and heels and, you know, looking all pretty and cute, but then started to come hip hop. There was a song called Don't Make Me Over yeah. that had a hip hop beat. But the woman that was singing it, which I can't remember her name. Williams is her last name. She didn't, I forget, but she didn't fit the image. Mm-hmm. So when Mary came out, Puff said, you know what? Let her be what she is. She's a girl from the hood. Let's make it that. Matter of fact, her original name was Mary J. Blige, the queen of the ghetto. Mary's mother called and said, I'll kill all you niggas. If you call my daughter, the queen, the of, the queen, the queen of, the of the ghetto, yo. yo, don't call her the queen of the ghetto. Right? I was like, okay, Miss Black, she was from Yonkers, like Slowbound. I was like, yo, no problem. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't want to come up there. I don't know if you ever been to Slowbom Yonkers, but yo. anyway, I was like, yo, okay, we're gonna exit that out. <laughs> so she's just married. What's did. it like
1: over there, Ghost? Cause Ghost from
2: okay, nah, bat, yo. Now what happened with Mary was. Basically, Mary J. Blige um, was discovered by Jeff Redd. Jeff Redd was actually the first artist that was signed to my management company. We'll get into that in a minute. Because I was still uptown and had a management company. It was a conflict of interest, but I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, hey, you got away with it. I didn't know uh, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't actually didn't get away with it. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to explain why okay. it was a conflict of interest, but Man, why I can't did it. You not do that? But you what happened was, when Mary came through Jeff. They worked at some plant up in White Plains or some shit up in Westchester. It was a, I think it was a GM plant. So Mary's father told Jeff, I got this, my daughter could sing. So I said, okay, cool. They told me, they told a friend of mine, partner Reggie and Charlie Davis, continued to be my partner you know, for a few years. I'm not about five or six years. So we went up to Slow Mound Projects and there's a whole crazy story about that too, I'll get to, but we went up there And this girl comes out. She's got a ponytail. She starts singing like a church lady. Like, incredible. Mm. I was like, yo, we got to work with her. Now, I'm going to tell you something that happened. And I got Mary and I don't speak about this. I mean, we don't speak because of this. But I'm going to tell you the real story. We went to slow Mound, and we couldn't get in through the front. The front was locked, right? We went through the back. Now if you know anything about Yonkers, you have one side of Yonkers that's super well taken care of, and one side that's bad. Back then it was horrible. So they didn't collect the garbage. So it took us a long time just to maneuver through the garbage. The elevator didn't work, we had to go up the steps. When we got to Mary's apartment, it was immaculate. Her apartment was immaculate, like clean, you guys want water? Immaculate. What happened was we were interviewed by Ebony Magazine about close to ten years ago, and I don't I don't do a lot of interviews, so they interviewed me, and I got a friend of mine called me and says, "Kurt, man, why are you dog Mary like that?" I said, "What are you talking about?" They put the shit like we couldn't get through the front door. It took us minutes. It took us twenty minutes to get through the garbage in the back. I said they didn't say anything about when we got to the apartment. She sang well. They were very hospitable. Her apartment was clean. No, nigga, they ain't say that. Why you doing Mary like that? <laughs> that's and somebody how you do. called me a couple of days, yo, Mary's pissed. That nigga Curtis always mad. What? And I want to tell her so bad, yo, that's not what happened. And secondly, your environment doesn't dictate who you are. You was in that environment because you grew up there, it's not because of who you are. You moved on and did great shit, and you're big. But I'll never forget that friend of mine called me and said, yo, dude, you look crazy because you're just talking bad shit. I said, no, I didn't say that. That's like 30% of the interview. I said how well she sang this. Is it nigga? They took that, all that out.
3: That's how they cut it because the controversy is is is, what makes, is is what makes it move, and that's what we pride ourselves that we don't really like we don't rock with the controversy and nothing like that. And that's why I think the dude recommended that you come and be on the show with us and yeah, find they get a, way a lot to of shit out there. But that's yeah. one thing I wanted to get out in the air. But what? But about Mary though. Before you go on, because you got so much that we got to get from you, pause. Uh-huh. What separates
2: Mary from everybody else? Mary, okay, Mary had a rough life when she was young, you know, she had it pretty tough. I think Mary knew this is my calling. Mm. This is something I have to go from beginning to end. I gotta be We used to go pick Mary up, boom, right outside waiting, quiet. Go in the studio, boom, quiet, Mary sing this. Knock it out. And we had this vocal coach. His name was Kevin Ryan. We used to go out like 150-something Jamaica, Queens. It was like, you know where all the, all the used car dealers used to be back in the day? And, um, Jamaica, Queens. Off, of the, yeah, off Jamaica, the Avenue. Yeah, off Jamaica about, Avenue. Yeah, off the Jamaica Avenue. But yeah, it's, more yeah, it's more on more on
3: side.
2: They used to live right there. And this guy was so dope with Mary. Like, that's it, Mary, you got it. Oh, girl, that was... And he was the best vocal coach, vocal director ever. Mm-hmm. He was very instrumental in getting Mary from A to Z, because she was very shy and laid back, but he kind of got her out of her shell. But Mary was ridiculously on point. I think in her heart, she was like, yo, there's something here that's me. There's something here that people can't take. This is my chance. Out of all the stuff she had been through, all the shit that she's seen, I really felt that she felt like, this is my chance. like this is, this is what God has given me. This is my path. And that was really it. I mean, she was a really good singer. She had a good look. You know she wasn't a, like, you know, like a, a, a beauty queen, but she was pretty, and she had an appealing look and she was approachable. But she never beefed., I don't know, it was just doing that. A lot of that, lot of that stuff might have came a little later, but she was always on point. Not beefy, not complaining. I remember one time we did a show and it was for Urban Network and there was a note and I was like, I don't know if she's going to hit the note. I don't know if she get, Mary, you think you can hit the note? I says, Kurt, I can hit the note.
0: So we get upstairs,
2: up, up on stage, it's like two or three thousand people up there, all record execs. West Coast, East Coast, South, every radio station is represented and we had a little bit of a time with the record. Mary jumped up on stage with a baseball hat, a Timbs, and all. And the girls jumped up there. They had their baseball hats. They were dancing and moving and stuff. And then when she started singing, I knew, yo, they're going to love her. Because the radio people figured that this is what my constituents want. This is what my customers, this is what my listeners want. Somebody that looks and represents them. And then when it came in that note, I was like... Yo, she knocked it out. She always came to the table. So just to answer your question, I just think, first of all, she was very easy to work with in the, very, in the beginning. Oh she was incredible. Like, she seemed but, hungry as hell, too. But not that type of way. Like, just on point. Show up on time. Get to the studio. Like, I don't want to do that. She just did it. You know what I'm saying? Number two, I just think that she felt this was her destiny.
1: destiny.
2: But, um, you know, Corey Rooney started working with Mary, and then you had Dave Hall, who came from Eddie F's camp. They started working on the record, and somebody was like, yo, Kurt, this record is dope. And I was hearing it like, yo, it's dope. So I said, yo, we probably do gold, maybe platinum. And everybody was like, nah, if you bugging, this is going to do two or three million. It's going to do this and that. And it did. It did four. But I was always reserved, and I didn't want to like kind of hype stuff up, but I knew it was going to be a big record, but I'm going to tell you guys a story. When we first came out with the record, um, I had a friend, I was, uh, actually it was a friend of mine, somebody I was dating over at, um, at Epic. And I called and said, yo, how we doing? And I was like, oh, you're doing great. He said, not too good. So what you mean not too good? Well, he said, look, you're supposed to have 30 ads. Back in those days, you had ads. Like every, every radio station was an ad.
3: They had to add your You had record. to
2: get a certain amount of ads before you could move on and get on the, um, the, the list. The national level. On, on the national level, the list, um, on, on the charts. Actually, not list of charts. So what happened was, when we first came out with the record, it wasn't doing that great. And I've never worked so hard the next day. says Kurt, you got 11. You're supposed to be at 30. You only got two weeks. The next day, man, I got up six in the morning. I didn't have no, no cell phone. I just went and bought a bunch of cards, went to the bank and got a bunch of quarters and just started calling. Like, yo, what's up? How come this city ain't working? I mean, it was, it was like 10 degrees out. I'm on pay phones calling. I finally got hold of the draft. I said, Dre, I love you like a brother. But if this doesn't work, we gotta bounce. This is Kurt. No, nah, I see what you're saying. I don't want to lose no more artists because Jeff Ray, which I'll get to in a minute, he was on a label. He had a huge single called You called and told me, He was number three in New York and we couldn't get past 74 on the charts. And I found out what happened was MCA, black department, wasn't pushing our records because they felt that if Uptown would blow up, they would be out of jobs because then Uptown would represent the black, yeah, the, black, the black department. And we labor. could get rid of all you guys with your crazy high salaries and hire them. <laughs> so it didn't work our records. So what happened was Dre called Al Teller, who was head of the label at the time, he was the chairman, complained. And I was on the phone, said, Kurt, don't say a word. They, they didn't say anything, just listen. I remember Al Teller said, man, I'm, I'm tired of you call me with this shit. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send you something. If you guys can't make it work with that shit, don't ever call me, boom. He didn't even say don't call me again. He said don't ever, boom, and hung up. I think he sent Dre about 100 grand. Jimmy Jenkins, was the head of the um, promotion department, got Mel Smith out of Houston because Mel didn't want to be in Houston Mel anymore. Smith. So Mel came up. The rest was history. We got 20 ads. The record just took off. But if we, another two weeks of not getting the ads, there would be no Mary J. Blige. Wow. I would say, not, not, I'm gonna say it wouldn't be, but
3: it would have been hard. It, it would have been tough. It would have been tough. When did the light click on for you that you have been through all this? And you was the nerd, now you in the spot with all the chicks and all that. You ain't chasing them down. When did the executive light click on for you?
2: The exec- No, I was just Dre's man trying to help him out, trying to make music, mm. trying to do shit. But when Mary. We was in L.A., and we were driving, and all of a sudden the rail says, number one, number one, 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 and Mary's record played. That's when I knew, yo, we got the number one record in L.A. I was like, yo, and I could look at the back car, and they jumping up and down and celebrating the shit. (laughs) I was like, yo, this shit is real. And this is like probably about four years after we first started. Okay. Now, we had other success. Father, single, went gold. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it was kind of common. And I'm not trying to brag or boast, but when you're hanging with Russell, you know, when you're 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, everything works. You know, um, Run DMC had platinum records. LL. LL. Beastie. Mm -hmm. Beastie. You're around all this shit, so that's the standard. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You don't look at it like, oh, well, we sold 100,000. 100,000, that's a failure. This, this shit is standard. So when we moved on to Uptown, <laughs> it was standard. So, you know, it wasn't a big deal when Father went gold. Matter of fact, I was like, yo, are we going to go platinum, gold, that's it? Like, what the? Jeff Red, who was the first artist I worked with, his album did about 150 to 2. And we looked at that as not doing that well. And I called MCA was like, "Yo, we gonna do better?" Said, "Yo, two hundred thousand, we'll take that." Because they made a million dollars, you know what I'm saying? But to us, I'm not gonna say it was a failure, but it wasn't what we were used to. Standard. So when that shit said number one, I was like, "Yo!" But before that, it was just, and I'm not bragging or boasting. It was just common shit. What did Puffy
3: bring bring to the table?
2: I'm gonna tell you something. When Puff first came in, I was like, "Yo, this dude here is crazy." He used to. He used to jump on the train and hide in the bathroom from D.C. to New York so he, would, so he wouldn't have to pay the fare because they didn't have the money. So I said, look, man, I'm going to call Dre, I'm going to call Bob because Bob is the general manager and get you some money. So we got him some money. So one day I see this dude pull up in this new Volkswagen and shit, he's got a white top, burgundy, he got a couple of cute chicks in the car, you know, he's fresh and shit. And I'm looking at this, I say, yo, where you get this money from? Because I know we ain't paying you that much. You, know how you get this money from right? so, <laughs> so, So he says, yo, I'm going go out to the beach. They have shit like Freaknik and all this other stuff. I make shirts. I got five guys with me. Each guy gets a certain amount of shirts. I got 2,000 shirts. I'm charging $20 a shirt. So I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm doing the math. 40,000. I'm like, yo... And then after he peels his people off, this nigga made 30 grand in the fucking weekend. I, that's when I knew he's got it. Mm. This dude got the entrepreneur spirit. Then after that, the Volkswagen got chucked off. He got a BMW, right? He run with the B he's fly. He got $200, $300 pair of glasses. And that was my man. You know, I didn't look at it like, oh, shit. That was my man. So now I'm going to get to the conflict of interest thing. So what happened was Dre had a budget, but it wasn't a high budget. But he had people to take care of his moms and his brother. Right? He had to take care of his mom's. But I won't go into his brother's situation, but he had to hold his family down. And I understood that because we were tight. So I said to him, I didn't say to him, I said to myself, well, I'm going to manage a couple of artists. This guy named Reggie Johnson came to me. I met him in the Bronx. He told me about Mary Jeff and another artist they was working with. So I said, okay, cool, let's work together. So I figure if I'm not going to get paid the money I'm supposed to get, because this is what I was told, that I was supposed to get a certain amount of money, but I didn't get that, what I was supposed to get. And I figured, well, Dre got to hold his family down, so I'll take care of myself. So I figured I'll manage the artists. So one day I get a call, three artists, not the whole team, but three. And I was told that, look, man, that's a conflict of interest. You can't work here and manage the artist. So you gotta do one of two things. You gotta go ahead and keep the artist, and you can leave or you can stay but all the artists has to come with me. So I said, "Um, well, let me think about it. I'll have an answer over the weekend. So I called my cousins and this, that, and another. And one of my cousins, he was in the street without pulling all that. He said, look, man, I don't know if you are ever gonna get the respect as a businessman. You get respect as a friend, but you might never get respect as a businessman if you stay. Could always come back, but it might be time for you to bounce. So okay, I took that in consideration. I said, you know what, drag out idea. Why don't you bring the whole company in, and we'll work with an uptown? I said, nah, I don't want them. I just want you. But I couldn't turn my back on you know the people that brought me, married. So, I said, yeah. so I came in next day. I y'all, I'm out. And he looked at me, and his eyes popped out yeah, like that. he didn't I expect at you that. like that too. I expect that.: You didn't expect that. So I left. Now the funny thing is, m- myself being able to leave, I learned the management game. I was able to work with Mary. Mm. Now I'm going to tell you a funny story. About a year later, Andre called me about a job at Columbia, and I got that. he sent other people, but he, had, you know, he sent me, and I got the job. So a lot of stuff I was exposed to. I wouldn't have been exposed to if I would have stayed. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a good move for me. Um, and we still be- became friends. I stayed friends. I was up there almost every day anyway. But my cousin was right. It was time for me to go, and I wasn't gonna, you know, keep hitting. I want money. I know uh, you. Yo, do I know what you got to do? You got to hold your mom's down on your brother. So I, I bounced. Can we?
1: Like, jump ahead to the quality of A&R, what happened to the A&R position, okay. why it's not revered, why they don't do the work, What do you, in your perspective.
2: Well, there's a bunch of things. Number one, it's not about the music anymore, it's about popularity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disrespecting it, like Ice Spice. But I remember back in the day, I don't know if Ice Spice would have won a project contest. You know, you used to have pro contest in yeah. the projects and who <laughs> would be the best movie. rapper... You know, and Slow and Slowbaum or Hamilton, you know, a 40 projects and who's the best rapper. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have came in third place out of all the chicks. I don't think so back in the day. I'm just, I'm not trying to shit on no, her, I'm just being understand. real. Mm-hmm. But the people around her had money. The people around her understood the game. And when she started to get a little bit of leverage out there, they didn't want to miss out, so they grabbed it. And I'm using her as an example because I don't think it's the best records or the best talent, and she had a, the record, the concept of the record was good, but answering your question, there's no, there's no need for development because you could go out there and there's going to be somebody who wants to be you know, on the red carpet or you see the money or a combination of both, that want to get out there and they find some kid and say, "Look, oh, man, I got money, here's some money, sign the paperwork. I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to be the production company. I got my team. You got your team. Let's go. Sometimes it work out. Sometimes it don't. But to me, that's how it kind of goes on. They get it out there because they got the money. And it's not about who's the most talented person, who's the most popular, who got the most money. For example, if you're going to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, if you haven't got three to $5,000, you're done. Unless you have like some type of gimmick. And that's one out of like a 1,000 people, you're done. Because YouTube don't give a fuck. They want their money. Instagram don't care. They want their money. TikTok wants their money. Spotify, these playlists, the playlists that mean anything, they want to get paid. I'm not putting you on my playlist. This is how it works. Unless you just got a great record, you just get out in the streets yourself. We
1: had a meeting outside. I saw myself. And they are just like, just for a top playlist, it's 80,000 for what, six weeks?
0: For six five weeks? weeks. Yes. Five
1: weeks.
3: It was like five yes. weeks. It was some astronomical. Yes. It was an astronomical number. And I'm going to be honest with you, Kurt. <laughs> if you go to the playlist, all the same songs is in all the top playlists. Every playlist that you go to. And I and I started paying attention because I made a playlist for Bag Fuel a long time ago, but I never really like changed the songs or put no work into it. And that's a big mistake
2: of mine. Think about what you said. Every record is on the same playlist. What does that yeah. remind you of? If on radio, every song, every movie, song, man. the same songs after every two commercial, months, right? Same songs in Chicago. Same songs in L.A. Same songs in Texas. Same songs. In LA. It's all—all all these motherfuckers talk to each other. All these dudes <laughs> got, got how much you got? What I think gave you? 80. <laughs> oh shit! I ain't taking less than so and so when you he get here. It's all a game. And when it goes to the major labels, they know, they'll tell you, look, we'll give you this money, but we need you to play these records. And the radio stations, it's not like independent like they used to be, where you had a guy owning five stations, another guy owning three, another guy owning ten. You got like these, these, these conglomerates that own like a thousand stations, like two of them. I think it's- Conglomerate. Yeah, conglomerate. I said yeah. the wrong, the wrong yeah. way, conglomerate, but it's crazy, but to answer your question about A&R, there's no use for them. Who got the biggest numbers? Not who can make the best records, who can put together the best image, who can get the best songwriters. It's about who got the most popularity. Number two, a lot of the guys who were good, who came up and made a name for themselves, they like, yo, I'm not taking this 200 grand. I can make 200,000 a month just doing this shit myself. So a lot of these guys are breaking out, mm. getting their own companies. Like, what's this kid from Brooklyn? Um, Something, um, Brooklyn Johnny or something like that, the, the mm-hmm. A&R cat that had something to do with, with um, Cardi, Cardi B, B. Mm-hmm. yo, he started doing little tours, going on radio, next thing you know, he got his own label. Mm-hmm. Scooter Braun, the white kid who, I um, think he managed Justin Bieber, yeah. he could have went to any label and said, yo, he could have walked in, knocked on the door, who are you? I'm, I'm Scooter Braun, I want to run your shit. Half hour later, he running the company.
0: Yeah,
3: that's sure. how.
2: That's how... Strong he was. He went and got his own money. He did his own shit because it doesn't it doesn't make sense. You could go and, and do your own thing. One thing good about today, you have companies outside of music. During our time, it's only music. That's like you know MCA, RCA, Def Jam, Columbia. You saying that we'll invest into music? Now you, know? you have companies that have nothing to do with the major labels. That's, that's, new, that, that's the new mm. wave
3: that, I, that I, I see is coming around now. That these regular companies that got a lot of money are just coming to these rappers or these singers saying, Yo, I got $300,000 for you right now. And you can put out a project because whatever you get back.
2: But you know they, why? they they propping crazy. You know why? Let's say you're an artist and you're here mm-hmm. and you work yourself here, right? Just the sponsorship alone can be big. I got a gene company. I'm making these jeans. And let's say you got Meg the Stallion, um, 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 um Sexy me, whoever, mm-hmm. yeah, and they throw these jeans on, all these chicks is gonna go run and buy them. So if you're paying them 50 million or 20 million or whatever it might be, they're gonna make billions mm-hmm. after these chicks don't wear. Look at Puff, yo, let me tell you something, bro. Puff's deal with Ciroc is ridiculous. Some of the people that was involved, and they were brothers, I'm I'm happy Puff kept it black. There was these brothers that were business people. They had a meeting and the guy said, yo, you know what? Um, We usually do 12 points, 15 points is out of character, but for you Puff, we'll do 15 points. So you Puff, he's just sitting there with sunglasses, all type of shit, said, no, I don't want 15 points. I said, yo, I want half. They looked at each other. like. What the hell shit have? So Puff said, I'll tell you what. What would you like to do as far as it goes by numbers? They said anything over 30 million, we'd be happier than in jail. Anything over 30 million <laughs> we'll be cool as fuck, right? So what happened was they looked at each other again and said, so anything under 30 million is 15%. Anything over that is 50-50. They look, shook sure hands. Puff has never done under 30 million cases in 15 years. He gets half of all that Siroc shit. Half. <laughs> and let me tell you something else, I just found out, I just found out a month ago. Even the shit, yo, you make a bottle and that shit stays in the warehouse. He got paid off it. It is not the how, shit that sells. How, selling.
3: how, how?
2: Anytime a bottle's made, he gets paid. Not just Jesus. off the sales, he gets paid off of everything. So if you got 100,000 a, a bottles sitting there, he gets paid off. He's getting you. paid off. He of it. getting his money in the bank. Give him my money. Y'all got to remove the Yeah, but we didn't life. sell it. I don't care. You go in the bank and go get my uh,
3: shit.
1: That's, that's why him and Diageo is going at it, you think? Because they
0: don't make a bottle unless the order is filled. So somebody ordered that bottle.
2: But this is the thing.
0: But somebody ordered that
2: shit, so the money is there. No, no, that's that's true to extent. Because if you have a product that's really selling, you have to have pre-orders to the extent. Yeah, yeah. But let's say there's 50,000 bottles sitting there that ain't selling. They can say, oh, it didn't sell. We can't give no money. No, go to the bank and go get my shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, dude, that's one of the most
3: shrewdest business cats. Being that you was part of responsibility of putting him on and mm-hmm. giving him a shot and grooming him, what have you learned from him? Okay,
2: a ton of shit. <laughs> Number one, you have to look at business as business. I don't come from that school. Mm. Like Before I got into music, I was going to be a counselor. So my whole DNA is helping people. Even in the a and I looked at it more as helping someone get on than doing business. His whole DNA is business. So sometimes you got to say... What would Puff do in this situation, or what would another guy that was um, that worked with me, uh, you know, like a I Russell sim- out, was um, Jeff Robinson, who had Alicia Keys. Oh yeah, him, Jeff. And who had that um, Jeff was with y'all back then too. Yeah. Well, Jeff actually, he wasn't an intern, but he used to come around a lot and wow. be around and do stuff. But he kind of he'll say he kind of learned with us. And um, I, I mean, I would say, and he's he about the same age. But well, he won't say that, but we're about the same age. But he came <laughs> under us. But I would say, what would he do? So I learned from Puff, like, okay, when there's certain things that you naturally would not do, you're never going to go too far off of who you are. But sometimes you got to take a, a different energy because there's business. All this stuff is straight business. So I looked at him and say, wow, how do we handle this? Number two. You gotta keep going. You yeah. gotta keep going. You're gonna fall. You're gonna trip, you're gonna fall, you're gonna get a bloody nose, you're gonna get those days where it's like, yo, I can't do shit. Now a day or two, that's cool. But you can't take off at weeks and months because shit is not right. And he keeps going no matter what. I mean, he had the incident at City College, some other shit, the shit that happened with him in lo um, the mother shit. The mother mother shit. He it, and he just kept going. <laughs> kept yeah. going. Kept going. And last but not least, and this was my intern, I'm studying him, but he looks up past the clouds. Mm. He looks past the clouds. Like Sirac was past the clouds. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're getting half. He designed the bottle, all that shit. That's past the clouds. Even, I mean, it took a long time to get there, but think about it, All, you had Oprah that had her own TV shit, didn't work, Magic shell, fell apart in weeks, um, well, they didn't give, they didn't that bill have a chance, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but he had his own television shit, and it's doing great. It took a long time, it's doing good, and they kind of sabotaged that, because I remember when... When Revolt first came out, you couldn't see it nowhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it had that shit like the, the distributors had that shit sunk in it. The reason why they can't do it now is because you have too many you have too many distribution channels. Yeah, you a know? lot of devices, but a lot of ways to get. He the looks past the clouds, bro. He don't look here. He looks past the clouds. Clothing, past the clouds. Um, spirits, music, marketing. He looks past the clouds. What are you doing right now? Okay, that's a good question. I have a company called Music For You, and I'm explaining how that whole thing works. There's a, a young lady I'm working with named Victoria Dennis, and her family fortunately has, you know, their income, they have a decent amount of money. And we start to go and promote. And I'm looking at them saying, damn, you know, we got to spend tons of money just to get our stuff out. on, on this, this is YouTube. So I said, I said, how the hell these people do this shit? Like, like, four or five thousand a month, that's what the average person after taxes will bring home. You know, these kids are, you know, they're 18, 18 something. unless you're out in the street hustling, you ain't got the money for that. And even in this game today, they ain't got it. Not all of them, not like back in the day. So I say, you know what, the same way SoundCloud went out and got an audience, I said, yo, we could get an audience. Luckily for me, as a friend of mine, my partner, Chuck, Charlie, um, Charles Lewis, said, Kurt, you know, I wanna do a, this business thing, but I don't know if it's right for me. It was some medical shit. And this man's like, yo, Chuck, you should do music. Medical ain't you, because if you don't understand it, you're gonna get wrapped up in so much of the bullshit, it's gone, it's gonna, you're gonna hit a brick wall. But you know music. So I put together a proposal, sent it to him. He loved it. We sent it to some other people. And we decided to develop this company. And what we're going to basically do is take up-and-coming artists and up-and-coming creators, and we're going to build our own audience. Just like YouTube has an audience, just like SoundCloud has an audience. Just like, um, I give a great example. What's his brother's name? I think he's from Queens, too. Um, Steve Stout. He started United Artists.
3: United master. Masters.
2: United Masters, you're right. 100 100- excuse me, United Masters, and basically what they did was they said, look, we'll get your music out there. We'll help you get your music out there, and they get you placements. I don't know how the success rate is, but they're supposed to get you in films and television and, you know, soundtracks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He sold the company, or the company's worth, $600 million because it's all advertisement. So I said, you know what, if we can go out, the theater is an
3: advertising genius, though, Kirk. That's yeah. his, that advertising That's DNA. But, you don't, but you
2: don't have to be. Let me explain. Okay. Let me explain. Okay, this. Let me okay, explain go ahead. This, this is the key. This is what we're doing. We're going to have artists send their music. We just did a showcase about a month ago where artists performed in front of a band. We're going to do like three or four more of those, right? And we have people put their music up, their pictures, their videos. And basically, this is a site where you could put your product up but we're going to get thousands to millions of people on our site fans subscribers whatever but they're going to have a chance to li- not just listen but make comments rate people talk to people it's going to be a whole music how community you gonna how them you, yeah, how you going to get up there that's what I'm going to
1: ask Go ahead. because ghost and I have spoken people are really set in their apps YouTube is institutionalized and I'm not being negative. I'm curious. You know people they don't want to have their mind Expanded too much even the digital service providers like Disney plus Netflix me tell Lulu, you something. Some go for it Kurt
2: United masters. Mm-hmm. Only, you are you already had YouTube Yep, you already had Instagram you already Facebook, spotify. Spotify. You already spotify Apple and plus another ten more mm-hmm. here comes United masters and they got so many followers and subscribers and all this other shit. They're not doing anything that different. People want to join Apple. If you're a music fan, you'll just. Not an app.
0: They're just distributing. Yeah, they're but. They're distributing to the Spotify, to the Apple, to you.
2: But you still got people listening.
0: Yes. Yeah. And when you got. You're trying to get them to come to you to listen. They're listening there. They're already. It doesn't listening. matter. They're just bringing it to the people and, and putting it. They're curating the content. It's, it's
2: but it doesn't matter. You have, as long as you have something with the people who come, they'll come. It are you? Are you? Are you? Know, you
0: there are that are stuck
3: in I the think. Right now. I tell, think, you, I'll I tell think, you. I think. I think that he's looking for the route of instead of using the marketing dollars right to market this one artist. I'm gonna bring all of these people here, and we're gonna use the marketing dollars to create. Well, it we're gonna do it. we're gonna have artists. You, so the money I'm spending out there. Like 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 you're saying that people don't know where I'm at and they don't know where to find me. I'm using this money so they can find me and know where I'm at and facilitate See, other things the, that the the thing is, companies ain't. There has to be where, three
2: three levels to it. You need the artists and the creators. People who are producers, artists, people who do graphic work, all creators. Mm-hmm. That's the first level. Mm-hmm. The second level is gonna be the fans, right? People that's gonna go on to subscribe. Go on to listen to the music, check out the videos. Point, you got a great point. Why are they gonna come? You have to have them involved. Not just go there. You
0: want the fans to work.
2: The fans are gonna make, no, let me tell you something, hold on, hold on. This is
0: what it comes, this is what it sounds. No, no,
2: let me tell you something. Hold mm-hmm. on, it's like, when so you, you
0: want me to go on
2: this yes, Okay, if it, let me tell you something. But you have to do both. You have to promote on YouTube and Instagram and bring those people there. Because if you ever look at some of the posts, for example, this is one thing I saw about maybe a couple of days ago, and it was Andre 3000 saying how artists today don't want to do art. They want to make money. They don't care about the art. Yo, you had so many comments. Yo, that old nigga should just sit down and let us do what we doing. Because to them, that's art. what they're
0: doing. To be yes. It might be shitty. It might be whack. They think it's up. But the
2: point is, because people want to make comments, you had three hundred comments, two hundred. All you got to do is get it out there and have content that people want to see and talk about. It's not going to happen overnight. But I that's the new way. But but what I'm
0: saying is,
3: it's hard. Uh, but 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 I, but I'm I, a big, I disagree. But but yo, but but, yo, but, but, but what I'm going to keep it real with you about is. Everybody's talking about this right now, so I'm not gonna say it's crazy because I I worked with a company called Slide that was doing this before everybody was doing it. It seemed crazy. Mm-hmm. They, they they had Partisan Fontaine on it. They was paying me monthly. We was flying around mm-hmm. the country. You Robert De Niro and them Kevin Spacey gave these niggas like 28 million. I'm talking about 10 I years never, ago, right? It. I but, know, but, yeah. but but with that outlook. It's coming back. I feel like Sliding them did it too far in advance. And right now, everybody's looking to build their own platform. Like a dude even told me to start building a whole channel of mine and bringing shows. And I'm like, you I'm know not, why? I'm not that big it, enough no, no, to no, do that, no, but that's no, what people I'm, are doing.
1: It goes to go what he's saying. I agree with what you're saying, but one thing that's missing, and you just gave the key point all these companies that started, they signed a big name yeah. to drive the traffic. Yes. So if you just like with Ciroc or whatever the liquor company they put Puff in. So if you pick a big artist or a content dude, I mean, listen, people are attracted to stars and names. People, That's true. That's people was breaking down how the nightclub works. Now, if you bring an artist through, the girls are gonna come because they all think they got a shot then all the, the drug dealers are going to come because they want to be around, around the, girls. the girls. It's the same system of the nightclub, what you're doing. You just need a star or a big name to drive it, in my opinion, from what I've, I've seen
2: work as a casual consumer. I, I, I agree with you, but this mm. is just my it, my, my observation. Mm-hmm. I think that you got people out here, not, not artists and creators, mm-hmm. but people who are fans. Mm. If you give them participation... They'll come. Yeah, but
0: the, the thing
2: that
0: all mm. these apps have mm-hmm. other people have
1: is convenience. If so you make it convenient enough for them to be
0: involved... Idiot proof. Then they, then good That's the
1: terminology. But the convenience...
0: He's,
1: he, he's a genius. Like, like, he he hates the thing threads. That's the competitor to Twitter, right? Yeah. He could not understand why and everybody was... And he called was, it, though, early. And I said, it's easy. It was too easy to get on the platform. Really? It didn't require no email... I understand, but but the system showed how so many people signed up because it was easy. It's going to your point. If he gets an app that is so smooth and effortlessly, it's out of here. People don't want to do no extra email and put their credit card. uh, You know, it's too many. um, What's that new app that um, allows you to take off all the subscriptions you have? Because people forget they're subscribed to things and they don't use them no more. And it's $5 getting taken out a month. People don't want to be like, damn, I've got like $200 coming out a month on all these service providers I'm on. And if the way you're going
2: to do it, just simplify it, you good. I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm going to ask y'all a question. Yeah. Why do you guys think SoundCloud is so big? SoundCloud's
0: not big anymore. It used to be. It used to be. The reason why they failed...
2: Is they it didn't because
0: fail. They well, not fail, but mm-hmm. The reason Popularity. why they're
1: not on top because anymore. Bigger?
0: Because it didn't work with the labels, really. Because the labels exited them out. Like, I then, then the big artists started taking their music out there and putting it on
3: Spotify. On big, That's on, what I'm saying. On, on stuff Spotify? that the labels cooperated but why with. was
2: they hot when they were hot?
0: When they had Chance the but going over there. 2 Chainz Mixtape was going over there. There was other big artists that putting their
3: stuff up there. I wouldn't say big, but they were known and credible. And also, And to, they were using the I, platform. I'll say to
1: Kurt's point, there are a, a and good... DJs was a big factor. No, but there's yeah. a group of people that want to be the ones to say, I discovered these artists. Like, there's, like, the first set of Drake fans, there's a different attachment. So SoundCloud was for people that could say, mm-hmm. let me discover it before it gets pushed in my face by marketing dollars, big promotion.
0: There's a lot of DJs that put their mixes up there. People find an it
1: was the whole rebel against the label.
3: That's time. true too. <laughs> so that, it was like like that was that was that's the biggest factor. The people mm-hmm. that hate the record. You you know they got all these people that hate <laughs> the, the, the record label. I don't hate the record label. I feel like that the record label provides you as a bank, and banks get their money hand over fist too. Yeah, it's about how you learn to navigate through the system. It, it,
2: okay, as far as the labels go, I mean. I, I say this much, man. Cardi B, through whether it was through fault or through design, she did it great. Yeah. Excuse me, because she put her own music out there, along with the kid Shaft, who doesn't get the credit. Salute the Shaft. Good, he's Salute a guy who Shaft. really played uh, a That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because out of the strip club, they started doing these like kind of so. funny things. Because she got known through the strip club. Yeah. And after that, she started, she went on TV. was, was it? Mom, loving, loving hip hop. Then she started doing these little.
3: He, he, he was talking he's, about he's, that. He's doing the skits that. and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, he so said she already that. had millions of that. people. Her being black and Latin, because you know, Dominicans yeah, yeah. are black people,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that helped her too. It, and then when she had Bodak Yellow, she could go, go to the club. But it was a buildup. You know what I'm saying? It was a buildup where she could get a better deal. So she might be three albums. It might have been like $2 million or 2.5, three to four albums. She's probably past that. So she wants to keep going. She could go on her own terms. Yeah. But for artists that are coming straight to the label, I mean,
1: What's and your leverage? now they do
2: three hundred and sixty. I don't believe it, but, but, well, do you but, think but 360s let me say good this. Thing? I mean, you might not have a choice. Like, have a cho- I mean, mm. if somebody comes to you and says, look, I'm going to give you $300,000. Four hundred thousand to make your record, studio time. Here's a hundred thousand for you to eat and live. And you this don't got that. This is your opportunity. You don't yeah. got that cat that's gonna do a fair deal with you to help you do your shit. And that's been going on for 60, 70 years. Yeah, you have no choice. That's just no what it
3: is. They wait. But but for me, just so you know, even though I've been in the game, I mm. never walked my stuff right to the label. So when I managed Rock Wilder, we had a singer named I I name, yeah, name, 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 name Yummy. So I, me, I put, I, I was supposed to just manage Yummy. Rock never signed nobody to a label. So instead of her being managed by me and signing to my production company, I said, yo, I manage Rock. I'm going to put it like that. I'm going to stay in the back. I'm going to get my points. I'm going to get my money. And I'm going nice. to manage them both, right? But before I did that, I said, yo, let's do the project first. So when we came to Sylvia Rome, we came to Sylvia Rome with this is first single, second single, mm. third single. The whole this is, out. Yo, this is 10 records. Rock did six of them. Soul Diggers did one. Dr. Dre did one. We came with the whole thing. This is what we're going to need for the recording budget. So that's how I came. Even when I had range, when they opened the doors with Rock Nation, I had that same setup. But Stargate. We did the deal through Stargate. Mm. So Stargate was like, I don't give a fuck what y'all did prior. We're the top niggas in, in, in the game. We know you, so we're gonna give you a great deal. Just get your lawyer and we're gonna do it like that. So, can I ask it, you a question? How long ago was that? When I did the Stargate thing, that was two, 2010, 2009 at okay. Rock Nation, 2009. That in Rock Nation. was
2: kind of like the end of the regular deal. See, yes. back then, mm. and you was kind of towards the but mm-hmm. it was all kind of you know, heading out, or you could go into a label and say, this is what I have, this is what I'm doing, and they'll say boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. Now what they'll say is, okay, that's good and great, show us some numbers to show that it works, Mm -hmm. and then come back. Yes. And if you ain't got the money to do it- They're not doing that, so they're
3: going to do a single- and put that out and just see it and say that I mean, that's not working. Doing and that. then trying to go do it to the company. Show. No, I'm saying that's what the rapper's gonna do now. Yeah. So, so if if you tell me that, Kurt, I'm gonna say, I right, well, I'm not gonna invest in a whole project. I'm gonna do a couple, two, three records, and I'm gonna invest my money into promo and marketing, club yeah. DJs, playlists, things of that nature to get my numbers up. And then I just come right back to you and be like, give me my money.
2: Yeah. I mean. <laughs> You're talking heavy expenses though. Yeah. Everything, mm-hmm. everything you said could be mm-hmm. about 30, 40 grand. Yes, exactly. exactly. Easy.
1: Exactly. Easy, exactly. Or or you just sign your life away. But what? think about this. But also, think about this. When I had mentioned the 80,000, I didn't know that number because the number before was 15,000 for three months. Yeah, but that 80,000 was for top playlists, yeah. right? And yeah.
3: it was a certain amount of time. So that's what. That's what yeah, record
2: labels are doing.
3: Five weeks? Yes. yes. But, that, but see, yeah. what, what Yo, the record label... By the time we
2: get to the third week, it's just going to be like, I'm, I'm moving then, up, I'm moving up, Kurt, and boom.
3: Kurt, you know the game. You know they manipulating numbers, Kurt. <laughs> yeah, on, but that's not Kurt. enough Kurt, of, said,
2: Kurt, Kurt, niggas told me you the real talk. You know crap, niggas ain't
3: manipulating so, numbers, Kurt.
2: If you give somebody 80 grand, and you only got now three months... That could work, but five weeks. By time you're by time your eighties over, your shit. But th- I'm, didn't even I'm sure reach.
3: that they're giving them. He, he he didn't state that, but I'm sure they're giving them multiple records. So if Probably I'm, juicing if it, I, too. If that's I'm, not enough time. If I'm per se Atlantic, no, but if, if that's the time that they giving them, no, Kurt, they are not weeks? giving
2: them that same type of time. No it takes more. two weeks to get the record in yeah, the system because they go. So because- by time you get anywhere. Up there, now we moving it to the next now stage. You're up there, by the time you get out the box, your shit is over.
3: No, but we and gonna they ain't gonna move. want another 80 grand. We're gonna no, we're gonna move to the next stage. So this is how I'm doing it. All right, I'm rolling out. This how i this how I'm rolling out when I'm seeing the rolling outs being done. I'm rolling out with the podcast. The podcast is my first level of okay. defense. Boom. Podcast going out. YouTube, YouTubers. So now the podcast is just radio. The YouTubers like us, now you get the facial recognition, right? Now the DJs follow us, they follow me, right? So now if I'm Posting your shit, if I'm doing collaborations with your shit, now you got DJ Clue, you got DJ Self, you got Envy, Flex. you got Chaotic, you got Funk Flex, you got every DJ, you got DJs Break across the street, great street. you got Cosmic Kev all the DJs across the country follow me, okay, boom. Now you exposed to the DJs. Now, the next level is the DJs is going to say, all right, I'm checking them out on all of these podcasts and all these YouTubes and all this shit. Where they at now? They on the playlist, the 80,000 joint. So any playlist that niggas is checking, my shit is up there for five weeks. Then I'm going to Sirius Satellite. Then I'm going to mainstream radio. That's how they breaking them. Plan of have,
2: attack. But let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. I'm not trying to bait you, but no, let me go ask you Tell me. The problem I have with that is is it takes about a week or two just to get in, just to get your shit moving. Mm -hmm. By the time your five weeks is over, let's say if you got to get a certain amount of time on the chart, Mm -hmm. right, to get recognition, by the time your five weeks is over, your your record is not going to be out there enough. And I'm going to tell you what some of these motherfuckers do. I agree. Oh, the money's gone? Boom. your shit dropped like a rock. I didn't say it worked. I said that's what they're doing.
3: <laughs> I didn't say it worked. Mm-hmm. I said that's what they're doing. That's why they're doing it.
2: That's why they're doing
3: that. But the people, I'm, I'm gonna say this, the people that are paying the 80 now, if I gave them that, I'm doing that. They're gonna let me do multiple records. So we might have four acts, right? Oh, you mean that's not okay, you mean for a bunch of records. Yeah, so you might have four acts. It's like this is this, I'm your account for two months, okay? You give me my 80 grand, I got you on all any playlist that any kid, any grown folk, anything that anybody's going on to, your fucking record is gonna be up there. After that five weeks go by, and you take that next record and you go to Sirius if you can Satellite, do, if you, can you do, bring me that and I'm gonna run your next one.
2: If you could do five, four, five, six artists for that, you, I think you could just. And four. if you had three months, that's not a bad deal. I just think it's too short of a time. Yeah, but you can work, you can haggle, Kurt. You haggler. That that you know how how niggas throw it out. It's two months, and you say,
3: nah, I'll give me uh, three months. They be like, months, okay, so you 30. gonna
2: pay me now? Yeah, yeah. I got you Come And on, Kurt. And sign because under the table, so niggas could do whatever for him on paper. <laughs> but but Kurt, you know huh? what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, yeah, nigga, I need to sign I don't five know five if it's weeks. under the table, Kurt. You about to get me shut over, down. I don't know if it's under know, the table. But
1: these playlists, right? They're really getting millions and millions. Of plays on on these records, then it's not like out in the ether. No, it's real. So if you're getting those millions and the label puts 80,000 and you've already said they're making three times, it's probably five weeks. I mean, if let's just say this. We wanna run it up, Kurt. We run you, it up. No, we no, wanna no, run no. it up. I'm gonna
2: tell you the game. That, that, All right, I'm okay. gonna, give me three minutes to tell you the game. All right. yeah, let's go. They're gonna tell you that shit. Uh-huh. So okay, what's gonna happen is the is gonna say, well, we got 80000 is gonna get us three five weeks. Yeah. So they pay the 80, right? And you're happy because you're on the chart, you're getting spins. Oh, by the way, the five weeks is over. So we got to spend another 80. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you, this actually happened to this dude right back in the day. So after this, say, a year, they're at like five, 400 grand. But see, there's only one funny thing. Mm. They only actually paid the motherfucker maybe 80 grand for the whole year. You, the and you owe, you owe that other 320.
1: Rock, Rock the I budget. Mean, I, let me tell That's you sir, something. That's
2: rocking, the budget, man. Let me tell you rocking the budget. I know about rocking <laughs> the budget. <laughs> you, know they, you know what they did? There's this guy that had a group Yo, tell called um, Joe Public. They charged them five hundred thousand, right? But what they did was they charged five other motherfuckers five hundred thousand. So it was $2.5 million. They only needed $500,000. $1, 500, one
3: time. One time. That's
2: called and they the cha- and they charged, <laughs> But They charged everybody back that money. Yes. But somebody was disgruntled, and on the low, they got fired, they got disgruntled. On and the told. low, they told them, they sued, looked at the books. They had to pay them back the money. It's called... So, so some of that shit is game, bro, where they'll yeah. tell you, oh, yeah, it's 400000 grand. You happy because you making show money and do whatever? But let's say if you... You owe that money. They're gonna take it from your um from your royalties.
3: Yeah, Yo, I got a guarantee for all y'all rappers and singers, right? All of y'all that are making show money and they and the label knows it. They're robbing you for your royalties and your publishing. I guarantee you, because you don't have the time. This is the worst. And you think ever, that the money man. is this in your shit. hand. You think the money in your hand is the big pie, and they letting you run out there. That's nothing. The Go get a forensic accountant. If you can afford it and if you if you got if you're out there getting all that show money, you can. Hey yo,
2: this is the worst time ever <laughs> in the music industry. This shit is crazy, man. Like, how the fuck can you spend five thousand a month just to get on two platforms? And then if you do stream, if you get 10 that's million. Streams, what, what is that? Yeah. You mean like forty thousand. Let me tell you something. Nigga, that's not even money. Our
1: artists call us for um, you know, pump, yes. you know, promo, promo runs. Promo runs, right? And they're like, yo, what what am I gonna get? I was like, bro, you need at least six thousand. No one's doing. It's over. Those You're days that- of call. Somebody's like, can you call in a favor? I said, for you. Yo, what did my bidding people call through? I can't waste my favor on you. Yo, bro, you gotta pay for space. You gotta pay
3: for your cameraman. You gotta pay for food. You gotta pay for travel. See those 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 days. Mm-hmm. See, it's at- over. See back in the day. Let me not say back in the day, 10 years ago, the artist was the only commodity smoking. So anybody with a microphone, they don't they don't, they don't got to be on camera. Just put the mic there. Let them get credit. Now, it's niggas like me, that's like, no, nigga, I'm a part of the marketing too. You don't get the microphone if you don't get the face, my nigga. So now everything costs. I host shit. I fucking do clothing deals. I wear shit in my hair. I do all types of shit to get paid. Mm -hmm. Jim Jones said I'm in between a YouTuber and a rapper. So now you can't just come on the camera and get endorsed and do what you would regularly do with the people 10 years ago. Because now this is what we're doing is a different type of commodity. So it costs.
2: Yeah, it's a a crazy game. I just think it's just (laughs) too much work, man. Mm. Podcast, playlist, this, that. You just want to go to radio. No, nah, that's like back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, we just go, we go on the radio. an artist oh, back in the day, man. <laughs> Video on the radio. Your man did the photo shoot. Your sister wrote your bio. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got five songs. You got five songs. You go to record label and you got a deal. And once you got the deal, that's where the hard work came in. Yep. Politics, having a manager that knows what they're doing, how to speak to the label. Politics, again, getting to know the marketing and promo people. And making sure that you got somebody up there that knows is going to tell you the realistically, ins and outs. they got to do way more than that. But yo, let's go. I'm going to tell you one more story. I know yeah, y'all got stuff. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get into the Columbia years. This is important. So after I left uptown, I got a job at Columbia Records, and Columbia was mad corporate. Like they was wearing ties and shit around mm. the office. Right. That's the job that Dre got you, right? Yeah, that's the job uh, that Andre got. Oh, uh, you said that. So. I'm up there and they're looking at me like, look at this little black motherfucker from the Bronx. Like damn near like the one that pat me on the head or some shit. So when I got there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to like make this shit work. I'm gonna bring them some shit that's fire. They had Surface and People Bryson. So it was like, and nothing wrong with them. They were super hot artists. But it was a time, it was a time for some new stuff. So when I got there, the first thing I did, I worked with this group called Fishbone. And I had the Jungle Brothers and Q-Tip work with them. They had this record called Bone In The Bone Yard that was off the chain. I was like, yo, this is dope, this is gonna blow up. And next thing I know that I got a call. This is the way they do, they'll give you a call and say, yo, Kurt, bring your music up. And then you get in the room, there's like 30 people (laughs) sitting in there. And all you thought you was gonna do is play the music for the president. And I'm like, okay, have a, says, Kurt, have a seat. You know, we decided that, you know, we love what your job you did and it's great, but Fishbone is not a rap group. They're a rock band. So, you know, we, we don't think this is going to work. And I said, yo, you got to give it a chance. This is where it's going. I remember this one guy says, Kurt, Fishbone's a rock band. They were a black They're rock rap band. They're not a rap group. And I was like, this is like my 10th day on the job. No, no, I was there for about 15, 20 days. I said, okay, I'll never get this. I'm out in L.A. and I hear this group go, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away. I ran into the store, I was like, yo, who's that? I said, it's the Hot Chili Peppers. I called one of the guys from Fishbone, I was like, yo, who the Hot Chili Peppers? I said, yo, man, that's them kids, they are rivals. I, went, I called Donnie and said, Donnie, did you hear the Hot Chili Peppers record? I said, yeah, Kurt, I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, you was right. We should have went in that direction. They went and did They, they were rivals with Fishbone. They were a white kind of star they, but they white. band. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then Fishbone was the Black Rock star band. But the Chili Peppers took and incorporated hip hop. They sold 11 million records. Fistbone went through a bunch of crazy shit and they wound up actually disbanding for a minute. And that's when I told Don, I says, Donnie, I'm from the street. I'm not a street cat, but I'm from the street. You got to believe in what I'm saying because y'all not out there. And the shit that my people want, everybody wants. This is Kurt. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you do your thing. So the next thing is I'm uptown with my cousin, and they got this this group, and it's like we got this record called "Um Stomping Niggas from Compton," right? So I get in the room, and I see it's Alpo and and um and and um, what's this other guy? A um A Z or Z A Z? And then, yo, we got this record, and and, and um and um Gangsta Lou. And I'm all sitting in there, shit, and there's like 40 people, we're talking, and I'm like, yo, that's a dope record. About a week later, my cousin calls me and says, Kurt, the whole shit, we in some beef with these people, we can't, we can't do the deal. I say, yo, niggas wait their whole lives. I said, yo, we, it's crazy, Kurt, if you know what's going on, it's, it's crazy, we can't, we can't do the deal. "I said, yeah, but do what you want to do with the record. I said, how can I do some of the record if y'all can't be on it? He said, fuck it. just take the concept. Believe me. And I found out later, they was all fighting and shooting each other and all type of wild shit. And so I said, no, I'm going to change the record from stomping niggas from Compton to fuck Compton. So I I said, G from Ultramagnetic was in my office. I said, G, come on in. So he started playing with me. There was this one track called Ego Trippin'. I said, yo, who's that track? Who's on that track? I said, no, it's, called the, it's, it's, it's this bunch of us. matter of fact, it was called, no, it wasn't Eagle Trip. It was called The Chorus Line. And they had a whole bunch of rappers. And I said, yo, who's this nigga right here with the deep voice? Well, that's Tim Dog. I said, what do you look like? So I'll bring him down the office. Tim was like 6'2", like maybe two and some but change. naked Tim He looked Dog. like a, he, no, that, that was an A&R. Oh. The other Tim Dog was the rapper. Oh, shit. And I said, yo, we're going to do a record called Fuck Compton. Right, so we did the record, and I'm out in the West Coast. I'm looking at this shit as fun, so I go to I'm at Soul Train, right? Because I, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't get involved in that shit. I'm at Soul Train. He said, I'm looking at Fuck Compton is fun, yo, yo, it's fun, it's fun. Yeah. so I'm out in LA, right? And I'm in right? LA making
3: Fuck Compton, and
2: I'm backstage at at the Soul Train show because the Soul Train would shoot every weekend, and they would have different. They would have like seven, to eight artists perform. And then a month later they would put it out. They had to rotate. So easy E trying to get some ass, you know, he trying to hit some chicks. He's back there. So he said, Yo, Juice, I gotta talk to you, man. I said, What's up? He said, Yo, man, you did that fuck Compton record? I said, Yeah. Peter he just shook his head. He said, Look, man, it's all in fun, but some of these niggas don't think it's fun, bro. I said, I'm gonna give you a pass because you looked out, because they went on tour with us. With a heavy D. I don't know what the, they, I'm doing there was they had a record called Boys in the The Boys in the Hood, some shit. Right? <laughs> he yo, don't know that record. Everywhere we, it's funny, he don't know, you know, know, know the record. Yo, the record. Yo, everywhere, everywhere we go to. Yo. No, but this was before it blew up. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere we go to, they looking at them, We in the Midwest, Texas, everybody. Look, who the fuck are these niggas? Yo, we went to Vegas, dumb niggas with bananas. We went to, I think it was San Diego or some shit. Mm. Yo, when we got to L.A., because all the niggas was like this big. So I'm like, yo, they got horses out there, motorcycles, helicopters. So I went to Jerry Heller. I said, yo, what the fuck? What's all this going on? I said, yo, it's for, it's for, it's for N.W.A.? I said, them niggas? Yo, let me tell you something. <laughs> when we was on the road, and not for real, when we was on the road, it was the most quietest lay back, chill cats. But they're Cali niggas. They smoke weed They, just they lay back. chilling. And they, they van broke down. So they said, Kirk, man, can we ride on the bus with y'all? I said, yeah, we got, we had two buses. One, you know, and I said, no, y'all can come on the yeah. bus. Come on, there's no problem. Chilling, they talking about girls and shit. And when we got to LA, I was like, all this shit is for these niggas? Nigga, the boys in the hood, the whole crowd, them niggas is doing (laughs) the fucking dances they do. I'm like, yo, what for this shit? Yo, when I got back home, my man, because he was from LA, he says, Kurt, man, that shit is real out there. I said, yo, lucky that you know E, because he kind of gave you a pass, bro, because that fuck Compton record. Now, I'm going to tell you what's funny about it, though. Niggas from South Central and Watts, they was with it. Cause they thought they like because they not from Compton. <laughs> so when I got other places, them niggas like, them niggas like, yo man, you Kurt Willie. I said, oh shit, here it comes. you fix It was like, yo man, fuck. Up, good shit, fuck them niggas. So <laughs> I called my man and I was like, yo, what's going on here? Like, he said, Kurt, this is not like New York. Like, Brooklyn got their little shit with Manhattan and the Bronx and it. But out there, gang niggas, culture. niggas from Watts don't fuck with Compton niggas. Niggas from South Central don't like them niggas. So you kind of, you good. As long as there ain't no Compton niggas, you good. But if it's a Compton nigga, like, You know what? Before <laughs> I do anything again, I'm going to make sure I do my research. Because I could have went the fuck out. I could have went out there and got laid the fuck out.
0: Effolously. Let me
2: tell you one thing. One time I'm in the hotel, right? And I got a whole Yankee outfit on. Oh, he just spoke about it. <laughs> it's the I got a blue Yankee hat and I got a blue jacket. Like the whole my whole outfit's Yankee. Like, you know, little Yankee yeah, yeah. thing on the pants, like sweatsuit. What were you saying Okay, if you ever go to um Universal City, there's mm-hmm. a Hyatt up top. And on the bottom is a youth, there's a youth, there's an arm um, Hilton. Mm-hmm. So I'm staying at the Hilton and I go up top to the Hyatt, right? Cause everybody goes to the Hyatt. I was like, man, I'm gonna stay no, this is a universal city, right? So, I see Ice T. Ice T's like, yo, what's up, Kurt? What's going on? And he's like, looking at me, right? <laughs> so he says, yo, man, you know, uh, you know, you really can't go everywhere with that outfit on. I said, it's a Yankee outfit. I said, they can't see the Yankee. I said, yo, dude, it depends where you're going, bro. Like. I don't know if you can rock that shit like that. Just, it, said, Yo, do, it said, if you stay in this area, you're good, man. But if you're going to go eat and do something with somebody, I don't, just do, do me a favor, take that shit off, bro. And I was like, okay. And out of nowhere, this one nigga came and started doing some shit, right? <laughs> and, then, and then Ice-T said, yeah, motherfucker and I'm looking at this shit like, yo, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so my man was like, oh, because I think this one nigga's a, a blood and this nigga's a crip. So if they see each other, they got to at least, you know, like, I said, yo, man, this shit got to be the craziest shit I've ever seen. that same day, I'm in the mall. Took my shit off, of course. So I'm in the mall. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, in the, I'm in the mall, right? So I see this dude. And he's got like, they're they good for one like these braids, like a braid here yeah. and a braid here and uh-huh. a braid here. Some, some shit, right? So he's walking with this girl and this little kid. And this Spanish cat comes. And the dude just stops. He just stops and does some shit like this and watches the brother go by. They didn't say nothing to each other. Mexican cat. He just stopped and, and, and posted and did something like this and he leaned and watch the brother go by. And the brothers kept on going, he didn't saying, I said, yo, what the fuck, what type of technology is this shit? Like, <laughs> yo man, it's like, it's, it's crazy. I remember another thing, one time we were out there celebrating, something happened and we had bottles, we drinking, and my man was like, yo dude, like, y'all need to take that inside. This is my boy from LA. I said, yo man, we having fun, said, it doesn't work like that out here, man. So it don't, it don't work like they're gonna figure out you're not from here, they're gonna figure out that you're from New York, and the niggas can roll and y'all all be laid out in a matter of no time, man. Please. Take... and we took it in. And I'm like, yo, because I used to go to LA, I never this shit was, we were, everybody was cool with everybody. Yeah, I used the culture to go like in 83, different. 84, like we used to go to LA. You never had to get a car because niggas would come get you at the airport. Like yo, what's up? And your people would come get you, and you go out and you go. The, the girl, I mean, you had to have like. One, you was with Russell Simmons. What, and you had then, to have what are you one, talking about? You had to have one arm and four heads, not to get no ass. I don't know if I can say all this <laughs> you you, with say the that. camera, but yo, L. <laughs> a. LA was the yo, dude. This shit was. <laughs> I had one arm and four heads. Yo, not dude, it was no like ass. I remember, Like the girls were so nice. It was like. You get back home, these bitches look good. I shouldn't say that, but... Nah, everyone says
1: that, I go out of town. You know how many out-of-towners come to New York and be like, why are these
2: girls so mean?
1: Like, what the yo,
2: fuck? they
3: different in the they New York, different, bro. Yo, like,
2: bro, it's like... They different. Just traveling around, but the great thing. Let me tell you a funny story, and, and I, we'll move up yeah. to Columbia shit. So one day, Andre sees me, right? We're in L.A. He says, you know, <laughs> he says, you know what, Kurt... We've been buying shit for you for years, nigga. You got that Columbia credit card? I said, yeah, I, I got it. I say, okay, meet us at the club, because you're going to buy some bottles, nigga. I've been buying shit for you for years. So I said, okay. <laughs> so we get to the club, right? <laughs> and I get, we get to the table. You know, it's Russell. It's Andre. I forget, somebody else was with us. And Sylvester Stallone came by, and somebody else came by. He says, Kurt, buy some food and two bottles, right? I said, okay, cool. That's going to be about, back then it was like two fifty, three hundred, maybe, right? So, no, nah, it, was, it was cheap back then. It was cheap dollars then. dollars It wasn't like that bottle service shit. So this chick goes by, man. Oh, my God. She looked off the chains. I fucking ran up and said, yo, you want to dance? She said, sure. So I'm dancing, you know. <laughs> record goes by. Another record goes by. <laughs> they're like, How much I, was it? Yo, I came back. I was like, oh, shit. These niggas ordered. They left and ordered like eight more bottles. The table's filled with us. I said, I'm getting fired. I'm getting getting fired. So the first thing I do is I complain to the waitress. I said, yo, I didn't order this shit. She said, it doesn't work that way. It's on on the table. So whoever orders at that table, you're responsible for. I said, I need to see the manager. So he called me, right? And he said, look, Talk to your people. There's nothing you could do, but I think if you could really say that you didn't order and you didn't know these people, you'll be versus charges. So I said, damn, I'm not gonna get I said I'm getting fired. So I went to the main guy. <laughs> he said, Well, Kurt, write a report out. So I wrote a report of who's at the, who's there and this, this. He says, Kurt, and the bill was like 2,500, right? That's a lot. Now, that's regular shit for the nah, day, but yes. back then, mm-hmm. yes. that's like seven bottles full. Anyway, so he says, yo, you saw Eddie Murphy? I said, because they were really there. Eddie Murphy came through. but well, they, they was actually at our table for like a whole hour Sylvester, on Sylvester. Padlet uh, Bell. Padlet uh, Bell was uh, actually telling me what I should do and not do with Mary, right? Really? Yeah. She was what si- was she saying? She was just saying something like, uh, like... Keep the right people around her. Don't let the wrong people get with her. Keep it going, but make sure she always knows that singing is the main thing. And mm. you know, so I'm listening to it. I see the chick. I ran with her and came you back. You just ignored it was Patty to all... Lil' like that? Not her. I yeah, mean, he he was... Was <laughs> No, no. <what> I'm saying <laughs> though. But after, after, after I finished, after she finished talking, I'm on And then another uh, the chick went by, and I ran out and came back. It was, everybody was gone. They said, "Yo." That's what we need. Uh. I said, so everything's cool. I said, yeah, no, it's cool. That's what we need. We need you to do. We need to get in Out with there. the community. We need you to get. Yo, they told me that shit, bro. My fucking car was so hot, <laughs> yo, dude. You couldn't hold that shit if you had motherfucking... If you if you had baseball gloves, I was like, I was like, yo, <laughs> yo, know, I got that shit. And y'all told him that's
1: how that shit yo, was. Yo, bro, yo, the, Yo, I ain't going to lie. The, the first- imprint
2: came off my shit. I use that shit
1: so much. Yo, the first time we went out on a corporate <laughs> card, right? I'm being real timid, right? Kurt. So this guy's ordering mad shit. Look at like- my card, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy. And I'm like, he's like, this guy's ordering. Give me, give me two pictures. I'm like, yeah, he Give doesn't... me another one. I'm going nuts. Three more stakes. I'm like, yo, my heart is pounding. I'm going nuts. Because I'm, I'm living a regular life where people gotta figure out how to tally the bill. Uh, He's like, hi, what the fuck do, do you, you want? He said, like, what are you doing? He pulled me to the side. He said, listen, when you go out, you rock these niggas cards. If you don't, they're gonna think you're a fuckboy. They
0: need to know you know the game.
1: You get three stakes. I'm like,
3: I get whatever the fuck I want, nigga. Yeah. Hey, yo, yo, Kurt, I bring niggas with me. I bring niggas with me. Yo, y'all niggas, yo, we hanging out with my man today, yo. yo. We going over here. And, and as soon as he turned his head, get what the fuck y'all niggas yeah. want.
1: Anything you dream of, try shit, drinks, whatever, yo, we going nuts. Man.
2: <laughs> I was, nuts. And then one time they called me and said, Kurt, do you know Rosie Perez? Now, Rosie was a choreographer. Excuse me for having enough. I said, I know Rosie. Now, she just blew up in the movie. Yeah. So they were like, you know Rosie Perez? I said, yeah, Noah. Well, we need you to go and bring her here, right? So they figured if J-Lo could sing, she could sing too. That's That was my theory. <laughs> she didn't sing. Anyway, now I'm being serious. They figured if J-Lo could sing, she could sing too. <laughs> I'm, that's my theory, right? So I yeah. go, go hang out with me and her. Are cool. Like, yo, what's up? Da-da-da. So see, I said to her, see, you know what? You want to come by the office one day?" He said, let's go right now. So we went, I go to Donnie's office, I go to this office, and Tommy likes Spanish girls anyway. He's on some bullshit with that. So, <laughs> so Tommy comes down, yo dude, then about three days <laughs> later, one of the A&Rs comes to me and says, yo dude, let me tell you something, bro. You got it where you could just do what the fuck you want to do in here. Because you, every time you say you gonna bring somebody, mm-hmm. I, you bring I brought, um at the time, what's this guy's name? Shit. He had, he was managing um, he was managing um um uh, uh shit, what's this is uh, um, Keith Sweat. He was managing Keith Sweat and a couple others, he came through. But what happened was he couldn't do the deal because he wanted up running Island Records. You know, mm-hmm. Andre used to come through all the time. So I had clout. And I was gonna go and get a promotion, but then my partner called me and said, yo dude, you have the opportunity, we have an opportunity to have our own deal with RCA. Mm. So this is like great. I'm finally gonna have, I wanna be Russell and Andre, I'm finally gonna have my own shit. So my attorney said, well Kurt, they're gonna give you two and some change, an expense account, and your advance is gonna be 50 grand. So it's really gonna be 150,000 a year, plus a $50,000 advance. I said, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I want to do my own label. I'm gonna do my own shit. Yo, I signed the deal in September, got cancer in November. And it was, I'll oh, never again, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to go to the hospital and take chemo and do all the shit. I'm running to the studio, doing things. One day, I'm in the hospital. I don't know if, if y'all had, had, unfortunately anybody know knew I had cancer, and my but, father did. Yeah, sorry to hear that. No, he's still living though. He's still living. But it makes you irritable. So I'm in the hospital and I'm like, yo, I can't stay in here. Cause I had to go from Monday to I had to go five days in a row to take my chemo. And then you would get out for like three weeks, three three weeks, but by the time you're ready to go, like you get better, you gotta start all over again. So I'm like, man, I can't take this shit no more. I called my boy. I said, yo, man, come get me. I'm out of here. I says, Kirk, man, do your your five days. Do your five days. It was Wednesday. I said, nah, man, fuck that. I'm out of here. I'm banging my feet and shit. Mm-hmm. So he comes and gets me, and I'm at my mother's house, right? And I'm feeling like real nauseous. Yo, sweat was coming off me like water. I roamed into the hall and I fell out. And my mother's small, like five, like five, three. You know, 100 something pounds. She picked me up because he thought I died and I fell again. And then I woke up in a hospital, right? And I'm in there. Uh, later that day, the doctor saw My doctor came. says, Kurt. I said, What's up, doc? What's going on? You came all the to see me? And so he's looking at me laughing, like, Okay, you think this shit is funny, right? He said, What month is this, Kurt? I said, This is August. I said, I'll tell you what. You want me to keep it real?" I said, oh shit, Doc's gonna keep it real. He's a Jewish doctor. you gonna keep it real, Doc. He said, yo dude, you'll be dead by Christmas if you keep this shit up. You'll be dead by Christmas. I called my people and said, look, y'all gotta handle it. I can't do it no more. And that was it for me for about two years. It took me a year to get around the shit. And then even after I was cured from it, like, you know, you still like to this day I can't feel the bottom of my feet. Like if you ever see me walk, sometimes I will trip and people will laugh and shit because when you get chemo, it goes to the it, it'll be in the bottom of your feet forever. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. Like you lose weight, you lose hair, you get nauseous, and it's like. The only, the only good thing that came out of it was when I went to the doctor, I had this doctor, and I'm going to tell you how God works. So when I, when I first had it, because I had testicular cancer, it felt like a midget was taking the needle and sticking me in my nuts, mm. right? Like, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know, it was so, and then it started to come up here. It was so bad that I was driving on the FDR. I had to pull over on the grass. For two hours, just standing laying like this. And I went to the hospital, and they didn't know what it was. So one day, Andre said, well, go see my doctor. And the car wasn't, wouldn't come. I couldn't drive. So the car didn't pick me up. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on with the car? So later on, I said, fuck it, I'm not, it was too late to go see him. I, said, I, I can't take this no more. I went down to New York Hospital. So I get there, and... They do a test on this shit. So he says, Yo, I don't know what this is. So he says, Look, I got two experts. You can see either Dr. Lou or Dr. Strauss. I'll never forget this. This guy, this is like nine o'clock, almost 10 o'clock at night. This guy's mopping. Spanish cats mopping. He says, Dr. Lou, go see Dr. Lou. He's the best. Hmm. He's, he mops this a little bit, puts his mop in the pail and walks out. Right? I said, well, Dr. Lou's good. My mother to this day thought that was an angel. Because this dude's mopping 10 o'clock at night. He comes in, says Dr. Lou's the best, puts the mop in the pail, and, leaves. and just walks out. So I said, oh, shit, if Dr. Lou's good enough for him, he's good enough for me. So I went mm-hmm. to see Dr. Lou. He didn't know what it was. I said, I'm going to what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. Cuz they didn't have CAT scans at the time, I'm going to have you do a 360 x-ray. Because x-ray is usually from here to here. I want you to go this way, this way. They don't usually take it sideways. This is before they had cat scams and ultrasound, and all that shit. So an hour later, he said, yo, I found out what the problem was. So said, I got good news and bad news. He said, what's the good news? good news? No, and he said, what's the bad news? I said, I don't have AIDS, it's not the common cold, and it's bad, so it's cancer. It's going to be the worst thing underneath. He shook his head, I said, yep. I said, yo, what the fuck is the good news? He said, if you do supposed to do, it's 80% curable. Mm. And you mm. won't get it, you won't get that type of cancer again. It doesn't come back. And he said the only reason I said, well, what happened over the last two months? How come nobody could see it? He said, because you have an organ here and you got an organ here. The cancer was in between the two organs. It was like having like, you know, like, like salami and two pieces of bread. God. So they couldn't see it. So when he went sideways, he saw something. And then he did some blood tests and some other shit. They found out it was cancer.
3: Do you think it came from the stress of of the music business?
2: I think... You know what's funny? It depends. I don't smoke. I barely drink. I think everybody's got stress, bro. I think it could be music. It could be kids. It could be work. I, I think sometimes... You, you have certain genes, those genes get ignited. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I was running around a little bit, or a lot, depending on what day it was. Was they're running around, but
3: I heard shooting sperm helps you from getting cancer. You know what I'm saying? I heard that when you I mean, stop it having sex, could be. It, it hurts you more than when you it are could having be, sex. It, it could
2: be, but I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, you got five year olds getting cancer. You know what I'm saying? It's probably from the food with them right
3: now. That's a whole lot of stuff Could going on. Could be any. So many, I, so many I, I got a question for you. Cause we can talk about that. I got, really? I, got, I got one more question for you. Okay. And this is some heartfelt. I need to know what were your thoughts and how you felt when you found out that Dre had passed away.
2: Okay. I'm sitting at night. It's two in the morning. And I don't go to bed till late. So I'm already up doing some shit. Jimmy gives me a call. That's Jimmy Jenkins. Right. He was the head of promotion. Not, I don't even call him a friend. He's like my brother. Like me, Andre, and Jimmy, brothers. And he um, he's, he called me. I didn't pick up. I said, two in the morning. i called Jimmy in the morning. He called me again. I didn't pick up. He called me again. I said, oh, man, this is bad. He said, yo, man, Dre died. And i like, what? He said, yeah, Dre died. Yo, until the day of the funeral, it didn't hit me. I I was like, yo, Dre was just getting ready to do a big deal with BET. Five film deal. And the first one was going to be the Uptown story. They had interviewed everybody, talked to everybody. The first one was supposed to be the Uptown. There's no way that ain't going to work. And we met in New York. He had this big thing in Newark when they were scouting for people. It was more publicity than trying to find people, even though he did find a couple of people. They actually found a girl to play Mary, for the whole promotion. But
0: mm.
2: he passed away, and when I when I went, it was kind of wild because it's like here's a dude who was huge in the game, big, but only twenty people could come to his funeral.
0: No, because I want because be he girl. he
2: died. Right at the heart of the pandemic, oh, in May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we all, now what was supposed to happen was we were supposed to all drive out to the cemetery and they was gonna play his, his favorite song, Before I Let Go, really? Before I Let Go. And everybody was supposed to open up their cars, like you know, the roof and the, and the windows and play the music, but it was pouring rain. So I was like, yo man, like
3: this is crazy. this
2: is all crazy, and I have to be honest this is gonna sound crazy. it still ain't really hit me because you I can't comprehend comprehend that he ain't here, so you have this mental thing of that they're not gone, they're just in another, another place. place you know like they like you know you have a family member they go to l a oh. they move and they move for a long time. Right? or they—they they, they used to see them, but they moved to Virginia or some shit. That's the way you look at it. Them you know what I'm saying? You don't see them as being, like, gone. Gone. To this day, I don't see it that way.
1: Mm. So, I know.
3: So, how would people find you, Kurt? Like, is there anything you wanted to ask them about his history before we go? Any questions? Because you be having key questions. You know what I'm saying? Stuff that I don't think about is anything no, we that you good. want
2: to ask him before we go?
1: I, I was going to ask him about Gilly and Ghostwriting again, like because that
2: you <laughs> no, don't get enough credit for the that. The trouble
1: back here. Yeah, you know me.
2: But you know what's funny? All those cats, they, okay, there was, there was a group, I used to work with a guy named Chris Swartz. Chris Swartz had the Fugees, Lauryn Hill, Cypress Hill, a couple of other acts, and he started his own label. And this is like years later, he says, Kurt, come on out, you know, I'm going to get you involved. You don't have to move to Philly. Come out here. So he told me about this group called Major Figures. And the funny thing was, all the them wrote for other people. There was like 10 of them. And it was like five people, six people that wrote for other people. And Gilly was the leader. The only thing I'm going to say is, this, this was my opinion, but I thought that the album wasn't finished and they needed four to five more records. And some people didn't think, and this didn't go because I I just think, I didn't think they had
3: the material that that they, needed. they had
2: good records, but they didn't have like that the one. bang record. And I thought sometimes people thought because of who they who they were, mm-hmm. it would just automatically blow up. That wasn't the case. Because Gilly doesn't
3: get a lot of credit for his ghostwriting, nor does he talk about it. Because he I don't talk like, about it because mm-hmm. he had that because of that thing. I, I feel like that went on with him and Lil Wayne, kinda. Yeah. So he doesn't really talk about who he wrote yeah. for beyond that but I don't think he gets enough credit for what he contributed musically because it was more behind the scenes than mm-hmm. in front of the camera. Big fan. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Shout out to Gilly. Shout out to a, yeah. real, cool. a real talented dude. You I
2: remember we, we, we went to some convention and we was playing ball. I was like, oh shit, Gilly could play. We was out there playing. And <laughs> it was like all of them. It was like, a, like, like you know, Gilly and a few other people. Mm-hmm. And I remember they played Uptown. Because I was, I was already out uh, Uptown yeah. doing some other stuff, but there were some people that were still at Uptown. They are like, Kurt, what side you on, man? You with us or you with Philly? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm with Philly today, mm-hmm. man. Cool. But,
3: <laughs> How do you feel about the relaunching of Uptown with Coyler Ray being on you know what's and funny? signing people? I just found
2: about that like two weeks ago. Wow. They said, Coyler Ray is on Uptown. I said, there's still a, I heard about everything's they, they, they going to relaunch the- it. But
3: I didn't know that they actually did it. They got a new kid too from Harlem Joe, Joe West or something like that. Yeah. He's on he's he's on uptown too. They don't use the
2: they don't use the cat logo anymore. Do no, they? I didn't
3: see that. I, I Is yo, it still the uptown if, thing. I I was supposed to host something for them with somebody else and I asked them <laughs> if I do they need to have that logo. They got to bring the cat. They didn't say that. Mm-hmm. They didn't mention it though, but who who knows, yo?
2: I didn't know. It, for years, I heard it coming back. I think somebody told me his son had something to do with it too, which would be I don't great.
3: I, I just found out about it last week. Well, what's the cat represent? The
2: cat supposed to represent Harlem. Like, he's a cool dude.
3: He's a cool he cat. He wears
2: sneakers. Nike told us to take the, the, the thing off. Mm-hmm. But eventually, I mean, not eventually, but in the very beginning, he was wearing the Swiss on the neck.
3: Was it like a Garfield type of shit? Like a cool cat? Like, yeah, like a cool,
2: like a cool cat. He wore sneakers and stuff. He because the cat, outfits. because a
3: cat, would, right, right now, if you drop the cat as, as, as your, yeah, mark, it's
1: up. Yo, know, people it's be like, up. yo, what is that? The merchandising alone what would is be great. Yeah. So was- Nike had a problem with the cat wearing the swoosh. Yeah.
2: They didn't want the cat
1: wearing the swoosh. Well, they, they, they send a cease and desist? Or yeah, they... they
2: said, take that shit off that nigga.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Kurt, if they,
2: if they would find
1: you, right, how if people
3: are looking for you, how can they find you? Because somebody had to connect us but on Facebook. You know Facebook. what I got to do?
2: I got to get my Instagram up. Oh, man. I, man. Don't, use, I don't use Instagram, man. I, use, I don't I don't like... You know what's funny about Facebook? I was fucking with Facebook. But then when the pandemic came, it was like an obituary. I was like, oh, oh shit. Oh, yes, got it. So, so I said, I can't, I can't look at Facebook. Look at that shit, yeah. I gotta get, I, eventually, I'm going to get my Instagram shit back up.
3: All right, but you can find them on Facebook. If you can find me look. on
2: Facebook when I do go to Facebook. There you go. When I get the courage to go on it.
3: <laughs> oh, yo, I, somebody told me a story about you real quick before we go. Is, is this true? They said they came, they played the music for you. Oh, yeah. And you... You gave them the music, and you said, get, "Get the fuck out of my office and don't quit your day job."
2: I would never say that. <laughs> Whoever said that is 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 that is I would never say. That. Actually, I, I pride myself on if you came to my office and you had something there, I would say, "Look, I can't do anything now, but work on this, that, 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 and this, and come back." That's what Father did. Father, I didn't take Father right out the bat. He came back five or six times before I sent him to work with Corey Rooney and Mount Rouse. Now, he might deny that. He even said one time on B.I. Kurt had me rewrite my song 80,000 times or some shit. But he, um, I, I always gave people, you know, encourage, yeah. encouragement. Encouragement. And the moral to the story is
3: people be cat. That's why I gotta ask I gotta That's ask you. No, nah, I would
2: never do that. Now, I'm gonna tell you a funny story that I gotta clean up too. Not clean up To clear up. There's this rumor I fell asleep on, Joe, the So let me, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me clear that rumor up. So what happened was, right, I'm working in the studio with Jeff Redd. Jeff Red had a huge record called You Call and Told Me Eventually. He actually was the first artist I signed and had a lot to do with the success of Kurt Woodley because you know, he was a real, like, guy. He was a man. He wasn't a kid. He was a man. So he helped me a lot. You know, when I first came out the bat. And I actually was the one who brought us married. So get to the point, I'm working with Jeff Redden in the studio, and it was supposed to be a session, and then at 12 or 1, we went to eight in the morning. Mm. So instead of going home, I went straight to the office. The original game plan was I work at 12 o'clock and go home. Eight o'clock at night, I'm still there. I'm on fumes. I'm heading to the elevator, and these kids come up in the elevator. Yo, man, who are you? You Kurt Woodley? I said, how do you know that? Oh, shit, nigga. Come on, man. You got... We just came up from North Carolina. I said, yo, dude, I'm tired. I'm dead tired. Please, I got to go home. No, we just drove up. Bob Celestin said that you should come and you should check us out. And I called Bob and said, Bob, like, yeah, yeah Kurt, they drove up here because the management company was in Brooklyn and the labor was in New York. So they had to come here because Bob said, look, I can't sign you. But Kurt Wilkie's the a and so They jumped in this shit and came. I'm dead tired. All right, come on. So they start playing their music. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Everybody knows Devontae's swing is no more for his ballads and mids mm-hmm. than his up temples. But is, uh... Devontae always wanted to be Teddy Riley, So he started playing his up temples. So I'm like... And I'm he getting the elbow like... Like I think it was either JoJo or KC was trying to keep me up. And I'm nodding the shit. Cause the music wasn't all that great to me. They said, yo, man, you don't like our shit? I said, it's cool. So I played them some other shit. Played them a Jeff Red record. They make a joke of that today. Yo, we sold 20, we sold two million records. You playing this Jeff you played as Jeff Red, who, <laughs> who I know he did really well though. He did well, but there was Making some type of weird joke. This is years later. So, anyway, um, I'm tired. I'm falling asleep. So, I said, Look, man, let me go get some cold water and put it on my face. Right? So, I get to the water fountain and put some water on my face. So, I'm walking back, and Heavy and Glenn, G Wiz from Heavy Dealer Boys, and Heavy, Yo, Kurt, they dope. I said, What? I said, You think so? <laughs> I said, Yeah. He said, Kurt, they dope. I said, I don't know, man. Have you? So I said, let me go in here. So Glenn comes back with me. He says, play the music. Casey and Joe play the music. Devon, they played the ballad. And it was the brother, Delvin. Play the music. He started playing that ballad. The ballads. I was like, yo, these kids. I woke up, got energized. I went and called Andre. Andre came up, says, Kurt, I got to take my girl to do something important. I can't change it. Here's my card. Put him in a hotel right next to where I live at. Right? The rest was history. So they told somebody, oh, Kurt Whitley fell asleep on us. And I was like, them niggas, y'all ain't telling the whole story though. Yo, Kurt. That was just to clean that up.
1: That goes to what Esso says. There's a lot of times people go to label meetings and they say, yo, they thinking about signing me. And Esso's like, it ain't gonna go through. And they're like, why? If you're that good, they don't let you leave. And you just confirmed it. You like, stay over here. It's my credit card. Yo, if they if you really that deal, they ain't gonna let you walk out that room. It ain't nothing such that they signed me mm. right there. It's
3: yep. Bagfield. Yep. Shout out to Kurt Willie. Thank you. man. I can't even tell you the stories and stuff that you told and the jewels that you dropped. Beautiful. I hope your platform goes crazy. And if I you, hope got, so too. And, and, and you ever need us for your platform, oh, it's I y'all. Might, have to I call. might
2: need info from y'all because y'all okay. seen y'all, y'all got the solutions. <laughs> no, I'm serious. the one thing I learned. You don't know everything, and you never know where you can get help and solutions. That's, that's right. Maybe yo, that's why we bought together. Thanks for having me. Thank you for Thank coming. You, thanks boss. for having
3: me. Right. You know. We out. Boom. Shout out to Thompson Studios
1: 125.
3: Yup. This is hot. This is dope. Nice. I like buck. this back wall. And it's black owned. Get it right. Mm-hmm. And they make it moves.
1: Honey
2: grand. Look, and they got the wall.
3: <laughs> yeah. We out.